UFC 181 is in the books, but more importantly today, so are 99 other episodes. It's time for Verbal Taps 100th. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, happy 100th to you, sir. And to you as well, sir. Thank you. I busted out the birthday bottle of Jack Daniels Single Barrel for the occasion. Mm. I know. That only makes mm. you probably half nervous, right? Um, Actually, it wouldn't be any different than the other 99 episodes. I almost feel like if we take you off the sauce, then <laughs> it might make the show weird. So I guess I'm for it. You heard it here. Raps produ- producer side cannot it's outweigh not endorsement. the Just other. Make sure not an endorsement. Just, yeah. But that's great. Um, yeah, no, this is this is good stuff. I love putting this episode together. Uh, much like you guys may remember our 50th episode, we had some friends call in, leave us some nice messages. Yeah. Uh, this is like a culmination of a whole bunch of things that we've worked on. So uh, we just want to make it a light, fun of time for you guys. And uh, I don't know. Let's see what the, our, our guests have to say today. In addition, let's preview our guests. We have Karen Bryant. On the podcast today. Amazing. I'm just busy grinning ear to ear while I say that out loud. Sure. Uh, We also have Bruce, the instrument buffer. How am I doing selling that nickname? I don't oversell it. Okay. I also had Bruce B-note buffer for like a a note thing. Like, you know, because I want to glorify his vocal instrument. Um, but I was going for alliteration also, but like a fighter short nickname. No. You're saying keep working? That's I'm what saying, I'm Let's move on to our other guest. Let's, of course, we're bringing back Bubba the Menace McDaniel. Wouldn't be an anniversary podcast without him. And you and I, Raph, have put in a lot of messages to our friends within the podcast community, people we've talked to, people we're close to, to leave us voicemails, as you mentioned. I think this is going to be an amazing podcast, but there was also some other thing about a song and some guy you met yeah. in Decatur. Is that some real? weird dude? Yeah, I don't uh, know. It's some yokel, I think. Okay, okay. So there's a boozed up guy from Decatur, Alabama, that plays a song for us, but we'll obviously get to that by the name of Brandon McCatherin. You know, yeah. do people know him from his internet beating up of that wrestler one time? I think only 500,000, uh, but that's only a fraction of what we we clear here on the podcast, so. Obviously. Yeah. So we wrote down some of our favorite moments of the past 99 episodes. Yes. Uh, are you prepared for me to share one? I'd love for you to share some because I'm <laughs> surprisingly intrigued to hear what stuck out to you. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I just put infuriating Raph. Just the concept makes me giddy. But I'll go to the next one, which is the one-minute Ultimate Fighter review that never went one minute. That's not true. That's not true. Okay. Absolutely not true. So as long as we're not admitting that. But that was my big first one. Okay. Um, I put next the 204 insults to wrestling I've made. Dot, 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 mostly as a joke is what I have written here. No, the thing is, is a lot of people can't read between the lines, and I'm going to go ahead and speak for you, Kevin, Mm -hmm. is that when you are criticizing wrestling, you mean it deep in your heart. (laughs) Uh, That kind of deep in your heart where you think the only way to 
really challenge and, and prove you wrong is to continuously have wrestlers come at you uh, and challenge you to uh, wrestling matches. Well, I think that's you, what it is. You brought what you could while I was in <laughs> L.A. There was plenty of wrestlers and MMA fighters attacking me, so points. Oh, that's that's just a handful. I, you know, points we've got plenty that. more. Okay, perfect. The next one I have on is all the times I interviewed GSP. <laughs> and obviously I put in quotes like, Raph is GSP. Dot, dot, dot. I mean GSP. <laughs> I'm pretty sure... Uh, no, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that was all GSP. He, I just was always weirded out that it happened when I walked out of the room. It I think was that time weird, was and I apologize. I should have coordinated it better. It was just always like, oh, God, Raph's gone, but I've got to interview GSP. The time is right. And obviously it's weird because you you've never walked out on another moment of the podcast. No, the no, I don't walk out the podcast. You've no. never left. It's crazy. Uh, next I have referring to Colorado as the Pakistan of the Midwest <laughs> and that just being a statement I made, letting it go. Go find that nugget if you so deem it. There's only 100 episodes to narrow it down to. 99, because obviously I didn't say it in this one. Or does it happen on this one? Oh. Listen in to find out. <laughs> God, you're good at this. Um, that time when Joey Coco Diaz said to me verbatim, I don't even have time to wash my pussy to me at an open <laughs> match. It wasn't on the podcast, but it was because of the podcast that that conversation happened, and I'll never sure. forget it. Plus, I love him. so Absolutely. Okay, I have pitching my MMA slash jiu-jitsu finishing move entitled The Rodeo to 10 fighters, and none of them really thinking it was a good idea. <laughs> All of them giving you the time to air your idea, but none of them going as far as to take not, it seriously. Not a single one. Raph and I are trained in understanding a little bit more about context and what people mean and like using their tone. And it was like every single time you were like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Like with that voice, it was like, mm, why don't you shut up? Because that's a terrible idea. So <laughs> message received. And I can't wait for the next 100 to keep pitching that. <laughs> I love it. Um, I have just how much I always lose at picking UFC pay-per-view events. No need to go over that. I think everybody's accustomed to that. I, um, You know, that could be my favorite, I think. It is one of the most consistently hilarious aspects of this, that for a podcast where people listen in for MMA analysis, one half of the podcast is concernably terrible at picking fights. <laughs> Really bad at it. Yeah. Uh, next, when we started the podcast with Kit Dale, only to be interrupted when his order was delivered at Jamba Juice. And Magic. I have an I have an epilogue. You kept referring to Jamba Juice as Jambies for the rest of the podcast. Oh. No, I mean, you you want to get some joms? <laughs> joms, joms. That's what you were referring uh, to. It's all about the joms, bud. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, when I brought up making an all-MMA soccer team for the World Cup as a two-minute beginning of an episode bit, and mm -hmm. Raph spent 45 minutes thinking about it seriously. He even chastised me about not giving him more of a heads up. Because you don't do that to brown people. You don't introduce soccer <laughs> leisurely and say, oh, I guess, you know, only thousands of people are going to listen to this. So I guess just make up a list of people. Like, no, there is a good crossover of people who played soccer, and I will not misrepresent myself. 
yeah. Unlike some people on this Lesson podcast. learned. <laughs> Lesson learned on that. Um, meeting Carlos Condit and only slightly terrifying him with my eagerness to start his fan club. <laughs> that was terrifying. I, if there's ever been a moment where I've really shined, I think that's one of them. Because Kevin stumbled like an idiot in front of Carlos Condit. And I had to go up to him and I go, he's in love with you. Yeah, you want to do an interview? It'd be funny. <laughs> and so Carlos funny. is like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I but don't Kevin, I was well, of course you don't remember. Girl. You were too busy trying to formalize words to be like, you fight and I like it. <laughs> you fight and I like I wish I could have gotten that much out. That would have been helpful. At least that would have mildly explained my behavior. Um, oh, you're going to like this next one. That time Raph and I pitched tag team matches at Metamoris and both Samir Chantra and Clark Gracie, Clark Gracie were completely in. Absolutely. Like they were a thousand percent in on the idea. And pissed that, like, we didn't think it really existed, which tells me there's a subculture of jiu-jitsu that we're just not allowed to know yet. But yeah. when we find out, it's going to be awesome and we're going to make it even better. So, ah. That'll be great. Um, next, I have that time I asked Keenan how to beat up my friends, and he showed me on camera with the most terrifying move possible. When he, And if you haven't seen that video, it's our first interview with Keenan at the World Expo after he, he beats Lucas Lage. The look on my face, Raph can attest, I'm not a good actor. No. Like, he took over and started to demo a move, and it was like, oh, fuck, I messed up. <laughs> And, it was uh, it was a mic choke, I think, is what he dubbed it. Yes, yeah, he called it a mic choke. He's so fucking clever, Keenan, and he's so hot right now. Uh, that hot. time I got Vinny to agree, he definitely armbar me if we train together. <laughs> I, these are all like it's so funny. Like I'm, I can picture the exact episodes. I can remember exactly where we were, and it's strange to have those abilities to kind of take a second and go. Man, I remember where I was when Keenan threatened Kevin's life. <laughs> I was there. That was a, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. Uh, that's all. That's all of my my moments. I got my 14 in. That was, but you had 14? I thought you had 15. Uh, the 15th was never giving Brandon the song that I owed him, but we've covered that, so I just thought we'd, you know. I mean, you're going to give it to him, yeah. I've actually been recording some today. It's just, okay. you know. I gotta let it bake. He's good. I've gotta let it bake a little bit. You can't, you know, go running up to a black belt with just a Kimura in your pocket. You need a few more submissions. Is all I'm saying to the crowd. If you that just makes say a Kimura in your pocket, I don't. I don't. Come on. Are we gonna start following my metaphors now? Is that really the time? I guess if we're really looking 100? for, uh, I guess if we're looking for some of my favorite moments, that could probably go up there too. Uh, <laughs> Kevin making up metaphors that don't work. It's a consistently hilarious part of the, the I'm podcast. I'm going to need you to be Sometimes... a smidge more specific, I guess. Oh, I don't need to be specific on that. I think you can tune into the very first five minutes of any episode, and you'll, you'll hear it. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of people I don't who know, just man. collectively shook their head yes in their car right now. <laughs> Anybody who's remotely listened to one episode is probably like, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, I could see that. Hard metaphors um, sometimes. Like, not all the time, but just, goddamn, some of the time. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, if we're picking out stuff, I remember doing the first uh, one-minute review and thinking, like, is this going to work? Is this going to, uh, what are we doing? 
And then it just became so much fun. And I think that parlayed into another favorite, which was uh, getting called out by Bubba. Like, it's not just that you're writing these jokes. You forget when you put these jokes out in the world and you tag somebody. Oops, they can hear you. Yeah. And uh, that was that was something that was fun. Like, Bubba wasn't uh, just being a bad sport. I mean, he actually got in on the joke and he, he ended up being, a you know, our our best guest. I mean, he's been somebody who's been with us since day one. So it'll be cool to talk with him and do that. Um, I remember, Oh my God. (laughs) I remember our first interview with Rafael Lovato jr. And just losing our shit because we had a black belt who vaguely was like entertaining what it was we were going to talk about. Like you and I also were like deep in our jujitsu passion. Like we had just, it at the time we interviewed him, and I know it sounds crazy to even contemplate, but jujitsu, the sport, has ex- exploded another two hundred and fifty percent since that first time we talked to him. And yeah. at that time, it was just like there was, there still isn't, there just wasn't anyone better. Yeah, in jujitsu, he was it. Like, he had just won the Brazieros and is an American, and was just like, okay, well, fuck, what else could he do? And it's we're starting to find that that includes beating people up in the MMA cage. But I'm just absolutely, that's a great memory. You were uh, excited about that one. I, I mean, we, we kept him on, and we kept asking him questions. And I thought at some point he was going to turn to us and be like, all right, guys, I'm never talking to you again. Yeah, but that's your hour been, and a half for two years. That's, yeah, no shit. Never look me in the eye and say hello. And he's been nothing but good to us, too. Um, I remember two of his black belts. That's since. right. I mean, I, I like to think we have a good kinship with uh, Team Lovato. There's a lot of the guys who have been very supportive to us. A lot of our fans come from that. Um, I remember the first time I got to report at Metamorris. That was a thing. Jesus. Metamorris 2 is when I went to go for the first time. And even though that felt like ages ago, uh, I got to go with John Evans, who you guys know is a big part of the podcast as well. And uh, getting to report on that live uh, with John was really cool. And I think the the beginning of a really good dynamic uh, between uh, myself, John, and Kevin, because we learned that Kevin could be super jealous. <laughs> At any given time. I'm jealous right now just talking about it. If you want the truth. Yeah. Getting a little angry thinking about BJJ breakdowns. Smiley-faced blonde John Evans. Mm-hmm. All-American, Captain America, John Evans. Uh, I think that was fun. I think uh, the other thing, so uh, Kevin started this thing really, really early on in trying to just make uh, NBA references all the time for yeah. unnecessary reasons. There's an episode to my annoyance. That is entitled <laughs> Verbal Tap James versus Sonnen. And I, like, we didn't have a guest that day, and Kevin was really happy that Chael was telling a story about LeBron James. And so he named it that. And that infuriated me so much. But Kevin knew that that would infuriate me. So in turn, I've done this where I've dropped so many pro wrestling references, much to Kevin's anger throughout the podcast that he he can't even keep up with them. And half the time he doesn't even know they exist. Both accurate statements. I can't track them and I don't know what they mean. And the best part is, is like Kevin has become a reluctant uh, kind of guy in this world now. Uh, he was just visiting out here uh, for a few days and he had to pay up on a bet that he lost. And what did you have to do, Kevin? I had to watch Brett the Hitman Hart versus Sean... Shit, hold on. 
Keep going. I, You're doing it. I know who this it, is. They, it, it was their 1992 ladder match. And his Sean, opponent was. Sean something. Bret Hart won. I learned a lot about Bret Hart, including the Montreal screw job. You're doing so well. Like You're like 88% passing grade right now. Awesome. But uh, uh, his Sean, opponent. I even remember he had that woman who was his helper. And what was her name? I can't remember. All right. Uh, the reason why this is so hilariously funny to me is Kevin kept mentioning uh, <laughs> Brett Michaels. Where's Brett Michaels? I want to see the Brett Michaels. Sean Michaels. Sean Michaels. Oh. Damn it. Yes. I said, you want to see the guy who was the lead singer of an 80s rock band who now has the <laughs> diabetes in a match? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go ahead and get you that one queued up right now. I, I did. Well, I would have seen it. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I mean, other stuff, getting Tim Kennedy on, on the same week I was out in New York was huge. Um, I was doing a late night writing program and I didn't know if we'd be able to do both the program and this, but, uh, Tim Kennedy was so agreeable and, and it was like a, a really cool thing to do to be like, Hey everybody, cool. I'm at this late night writing program, but I got to go talk to Tim Kennedy too. Yeah. Okay, deuces. Bye. It was super fun. And people are like, um, Tim Kennedy, the... Badass mixed martial arts fighter. And it's like, yep, that's the guy. Yeah. Got to yeah. go talk to him. Uh, I mean, that was funny as shit. Uh, I can, man. There's just so many. There's so many great episodes that I are just talking with people. Uh, that, that just makes me laugh. And and getting to do some of the live reporting has been a blast too. Uh, getting to go cover UFC 162, 168, 169. Uh, those were huge and, and fun, fun experiences and, and getting to co-work with the guys from MMA uh, knit. Um, another huge one was probably talking to Hickson. I don't understand how that ever came to be, Yeah, but uh, that was, that was huge. That was a big thing for us. And it, it was, was a really credibility cool. pillar for the podcast. Well, not that we needed it, right? Oh, well, I was going to go the other way. <laughs> so oh, like when we really couldn't needed have needed it, it more. Oh, okay. Um, well, I guess, you know, you, you can have them all. Uh, speaking of metamorphs, I think one other thing that we did really well, uh, we put people on and we would have one guy cover each match and it's become a staple that we do on the show now. Uh, but the first time we did it, I could just hear it and I go, this is cool. This is something that's uh, a little different. So I really liked having that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's always a cool excuse to talk to our friends and hear what the hell that is going on and what they thought of those matches. So I think that's really cool as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are a few, if I were to, to come up with a couple, but I will tell you this, and I don't know if you know this. So, you know, the first time we did the show, yeah? Yes. Okay. What was, like, what was your mindset on when we were first doing the show? Uh, it seemed like more of a, you and I were, you and I had agreed. It was like, let's do a 10 cast experiment. Let's see how we mm-hmm. feel at the end of 10 podcasts. And then we were going to kind of reassess. So I felt very mm, inexperienced. <laughs> I remember distinctly talking with Kevin, uh, uh, wasting time at my job, as I would like to do. As we both I, would like to do. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we had just been talking about the podcast so, so much that we had gotten to this point where we just were realizing – I like doing stand-up comedy. Kevin likes doing stand-up comedy. But I don't want to travel all the time and do stand-up. So I was like, how do you bring people to you? If only there was like a way that you can make, make people listen to you. And then they just kind of hear you do... Oh, that exists? 
And so Kevin and I independently just had two very different ideas. I had done comedy podcasts uh, as a guest, and he was thinking about doing this. And we just both mutually kind of said, do you want to do this? And I remember we left it. We, Kevin's getting off work, and I'm like, so are we, are we actually recording this? And Kevin's like, yeah, I guess. You know, let's, let's do, give it a try. <laughs> let's do a thing. And I swear to God, so we did a test episode. Do you remember that? I absolutely remember that. Okay. What happened to that test episode? That's no one's business. That's no know. one's business? <laughs> I mean, I have them. I have every episode logged in our, our verbal tap <laughs> backup drive. <laughs> uh, and we've got it because there are two or three lost episodes that people don't know about. Sure. Oh, yeah. There I mean, are, just if only say, they want to know, you got to subscribe to the like, uh, verbal yeah, tap insider always, magazine. We've always known about the vault. As soon as we connect in, you're uh, welcome to to ask for those and get them in a post-release. But that's going to be a very special event. And Absolutely. But, you know, the funnest part for me is I remember calling you and we were on the phone. We didn't know a goddamn thing about sound issues. So I apologize for the people who listened to the first, like, 20 episodes. Oops. Also, thanks Sorry. for sticking around despite all the sound yeah. issues. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that would be enough to turn some people off. But you guys grew and, and told your friends about it, which is really nice. But there's this great moment where, I don't know if Kevin knows this, I actually was driving, I was watching football, and everybody's like, what are you doing? Are you going to watch the next game? And I was like, nah, I got to go like do a lame thing. I got to go record a podcast or something. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this works. And I actually went to the uh, Tonight Show studios out in Burbank and I went into the Leno studio and I brought my laptop in there and I, the first episode that you guys heard is me recording that with Kevin from that studio and uh, I like that it combined my interests of entertainment and MMA and I knew right then and there I was like there's something to this, this is going to work because I can combine my love of telling jokes and my love of MMA and the thing that really stuck to me that made it work was you know, Kevin and I just we're very different, but we, we see the same on, on how it can work and how it can work in a funny way that's different than everybody else. So every time you guys show up, it's like an, an encouragement. It's a reminder that we do something that's completely uh, out of the, the ordinary. So that's really cool, and I, I thank you guys for just sticking around and listening to us. So I hope that we have an episode that's worth your time today. I'm pretty sure we do. Definitely today. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to use the definitely word frequently, but definitively yeah. today. Let's let's stick with that. Let's <laughs> say short-term goals. Also, and this is the part that I enjoy hinting at because people are like, how would you start the podcast? like, well, you and I had also gotten up to a solid where we were already having about two to three hours worth of conversation about training mm-hmm. and fights. Yes. Like that was happening already. Yeah. And that was also part of it was like, you know, maybe we should be – Recording this because we were doing our best to make the other person laugh, using Absolutely. a lot of like Chael Sonnen metaphors. And your GSP has always been on point <laughs> since way before we started the podcast. <laughs> so there was a lot of that, and uh, yeah. hopefully people are enjoying that parlay into a hundred episodes. We're about to roll tape on the rest of this episode. Let's get to it. Some voicemails followed by some badass interviews, mostly because the people we're interviewing are super cool. Followed by more voicemails. Followed by, you know, you can fuck yourself if you want anything more. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kidding, of course.
Hey guys, this is UFC fighter Tim Kennedy. I just wanted to say congratulations on your 100th podcast. It was an honor and a privilege to be on the show. You guys are hilarious. Thanks for uh, keeping us entertained and lightening up a, a brutal sport. So big fan, always will be, and uh, thanks for everything. Talk to you later. Hey, what's up? It's Adam Hunter. just wanted to wish you guys uh, congratulations on your 100th episode. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. I had a great time. You guys are great guys. Hilarious. And uh, thanks, guys. Adam Hunter from MMA Roasted. Thanks for having me on your show. Congrats on the episode. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Rafael Lovato, Jr. Um, just giving you guys a call. Wanted to leave you a message and tell you congratulations on your 100th episode. Uh, really appreciate everything you guys do for the Jiu-Jitsu community, delivering some great content to everybody interviewing uh, many of the world's best. Um, I always have a great time when I'm on there talking to you, and, um, and I wish you guys all the best for 2015. So congratulations, and keep up the great work. Take care. I didn't know that was a comedy podcast. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is... Verbal Tap fans, you're going to definitely know our next guest. We're celebrating 100 episodes in a real, sort of a great way for Raph and I. We have on the line Karen Bryant, who's basically the first lady of MMA hosting now. Mm-hmm. Karen, are you comfortable with that title? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> Thank you. I think you got that status after the interview with, oh, the guy that taught Anderson Silva to do uh, the kicks. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. yes. You know what? He, I, I actually love talking to him. Like, I know people think he's a goof, and, you know, he kind of is. Dare you. But, <laughs> but what I love about him is if you, if you, are sincere with him, you know, if you just really talk to him um, as if he does matter and stuff, like, you get gold out of him. I feel like a lot of people talk to him with, like, sort of a wink and a nod and, like, isn't this funny? I'm talking to him. And they, I don't know. I, I feel like if you were just, like, 100% sincere with him, you get great stuff, you know. Um, I, I really actually love talking to him. <laughs> I don't blame you. And the producer in me hears what you're saying. But also... Do you give yourself enough credit for keeping a straight face when he says he doesn't keep track of space and time? <laughs> because you're yeah. basically the interview that launched a million memes with him saying, I told Anderson Silva to make that kick. Right. And then I, he yeah, made no. that kick. It's, I, I guess it's because um, I used to do... You know, I used to do more entertainment uh, reporting and stuff uh, and anchoring before I got into sports. And so I've actually interviewed, you know, like a ton of celebs before and, and that kind of thing. And I, I think I must have been well-trained to understand the ridiculousness and just flow through it and stuff. But, I mean, yeah, my internal monologue is like, oh, my God. Seriously, dude? Like, seriously? But, of course, with Seagal, too, the other thing is that um, I'm looking at him, and every now and then he would kind of check out the girls, and I'm like, okay, back up here. Focus, focus, up here. We're talking. Fingers um, yeah. yeah, so, he, you know what? Yes, I've, he's not the, he's, believe it or not, I'm sure there's somebody I've spoken to who's been more... Um, 
been been more outrageous than he he is. But I don't know. It's it's gold. He's well, gold. Your ability to keep a straight face should garner you all of the MMA Emmys. So <laughs> know you. that when they create those, uh, yeah. you'll probably be the first to get they them. They have the MMA awards. They I do, but that's not an out. Emmy. We're oh, gonna okay. get Emmys. Yeah, the, the MMA awards are sort of funny. It's just like, hey, look at all the guys that work in the business. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. And then there's ring girls. Like, I don't know, whatever. I'd rather, yes, win a real a real Emmy. Not to kick away from, you know, the MMA awards, but um, I, I, you know, I want a real Emmy. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you this, as you, you are kind of alluding to here, it is definitely a mention of, like, oh, cool, where are the women who report? Yeah. Not that they're yeah. part of the sport and fight or anything. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah, just, okay, cool. Whatever. You and Kenny Florian are the only two <laughs> by my last count. And by my count, you use way less product in your hair than Kenny. I was going to say. I, I do, and I want to clear this up because the diva of the show is definitely DC, followed by <laughs> Kenny, followed by me. Like, I'm the least, I'm the lowest maintenance one there, which is really messed up, but... um. But it's great. It's actually hilarious. But DC, I love DC. DC is the guy that when he walks in the building, like everybody knows. He, he, there's no, there's no lurking, there's no quietly entering the building. <laughs> you know exactly when DC shows up. Um, it's great. It's great. We have a good I, time. I would like to ask a qualifying question. When you say you, you hear him walk in, is it just because yeah. he's maybe he's loud? I can say that. Yeah, he walks around. But yeah. not only is he loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He also has an accent, and I think right. he's become your guys' version of Terry Bradshaw because sometimes he'll just make a metaphor about <laughs> living in the country. That right. I, you know, it's a journey. And again, testament to your ability to keep a straight face, but it seems like you guys have the best time on that show. We really do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he does. That's, when he comes in, he, he's, you know, yelling down the hall. If he sees somebody, he goes, what's up? Or, you know, it's like Kate, when he walks by him getting naked, it's KB. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you've seen on his Instagram or, or, or I forget. We've, we've shared some. But, like, he's in there doing Phil, uh, Phil Davis's hair while he's got his own do-rag on. Like, he's what? a goofball. Wow. He's a goofball. And um, we just – we love him. But, yeah, when we're on those shows – the, the thing about DC is, is his um, he just loves to throw people under the bus. Like that's a, that's a, a, an Olympic sport for him. He could, he could do that uh, full time as well. And so like you're literally interviewing somebody, or you know you're on Skype before you know maybe before you're on the air with them and you're talking. Or he's done this to me on the air, like after Johnny Hendricks beat Robbie Lawler last year, uh, earlier this year. And you know I love Robbie Lawler. Been a fan forever. And you know I like I like Johnny too. He's a great guy. But we literally are interviewing him live on the air after he wins the fight. And I'm talking to him. I do some questions that go over to D.C. And D.C.'s like, yeah, Johnny, by the way, uh, Karen was rooting for Robbie the whole time. But anyway, so then I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then it comes back to me. And I'm like, yeah, hey, how's it going? So anyway, D.C.'s full of crap. And, uh, but, like, I mean, dude, you can't, you, can't, you can't do that. Um, and he does it to us a lot. It's actually, like, sometimes it's funny. And it's cool if it, you know, it's funny. But we know it's coming, and so now we've, like, readied ourselves for the fact that uh, – so literally sometimes we get on the Skype, and then we're like, okay, don't listen to anything DC says, you know. Um, he's ridiculous. He came up to me and Kenny in Vegas uh, over the 4th of July. He goes, yeah, yeah, so listen, um, there might be a video on YouTube of me telling Chris Weidman you guys both picked Leoto. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? And he's like, yeah, just – 
just a little heads up. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's DC. That's this who you have to that, That's what, you got to always be ready. He's huge, which is a helpful, like, he's a very terrifying guy. So this is a good other side of him that he also stirs a lot of shit on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. Well. No, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's like a prankster, good, like, he just loves a good time. You know what I mean? He's, he's a lot of fun to be around. Like, you feel, DC's one of those guys that you feel good when you're around him, you know? And as you're alluding to, and this is something that we were clamoring for because we've been watching the UFC and mixed martial arts for a while, and it was always like it would be really great during a lot of these interviews if they did have a professional, and now you've stepped into that role. <laughs> How difficult is it? Excuse me. What kind of a blessing is it to be the professional trying to wrangle? Because these guys are usually MMA fighters you're dealing with. They're trained right. in the arts of mixed martial arts. Maybe not diction and camera angles or follow-up questions <laughs> right. or metaphor use what's it like right. to be the professional sort of uh handler as you're trying to get through those live segments yeah you know it's it's i love that i've been entrusted with that you know um and i like that my boss you know describes me as the smart one sometimes and like all right cool like <laughs> so no disrespect to the other guys you know but like I, I like that. Um, I like being entrusted with, yeah, being the um, being the one that keeps the train on on the track and stuff. But you know, it's it's funny. These guys really like. I was telling Gilbert Melendez the other day the reason that they're successful and some of these guys do so well just because they are themselves and that's what people can relate to. Now that doesn't mean that sometimes in my mind when somebody's like, yeah, you know, him and I used to train together. I'm like, oh dear God, please don't say him and I. Like you know, so like there there is a part of me. Um, in my head, that's like a little bit of a grammar Nazi that that sometimes kind of goes, "Oh, guys, come on, come on, you know, <laughs> come on." But but it's their charm; it's they're being real to who they are, and um, I feel like that's what makes them relatable. I feel like they were if they were all up there, you know, overly book smart and nerdy, that wouldn't that's not what people would relate to. So, sure. um, but I do have a, I have a lot of fun with them. I mean, they're you know they're good guys, and not, honestly, they're respectful of me, you know, um, people sometimes go, oh, well, you know, you never were a professional fighter. What are you doing there? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure every food critic wasn't a professional chef. I'm pretty sure everybody who covers football did and also played a game. But I think it's, you know, because I'm also, uh, you know, a woman. If it were a man up there, uh, you know, nobody seems to have a problem with John Anik, uh, yeah. you know. So it, it's just, you know. It, and you I know. would take you straight up and fight over John Anik. I don't even think so. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm scrappy. Just don't, don't hit the face. Just not the face. Um, I think that yeah, would go so, more for both of you. I'm pretty sure John Attic would be like, yeah, go for my face. This is yeah. a money maker. That's all right. I'm totally. sorry, as you were saying. No, no, it's just, it's good there. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't gotten the sense of, you know, any of the guys that I'm working with going out like, what's this chick talking about? You know, and maybe that's just because they knew me before, Fox and I'd already been interviewing these guys for a long time, you know, before we were sitting up there together. So I've never, I've been fortunate that I've never felt uh, that they didn't, um, you know, take me in as, as, you know, one of their own. I definitely feel like a team when I'm, you know, when I'm working with the guys. So that's cool. And yeah, I, I mean, as the professional wrangler of this podcast, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, this is, I, yeah. I'm so sympathetic to everything that you have to do when you have to keep the other person or persons in check just when they're like names raf i think people know who you mean there's only two it's of not a tricky illusion i'm just gonna let you know that uh but karen you you know you mentioned we're gonna come back because i really want to get the transition from 
how you went from more entertainment uh, to yeah. doing MMA. But before we get there, talk to us a little bit about your beginnings because I remember you on FX with mm -hmm. a certain host of Survivor. Yeah. And you guys, like, it was the weirdest show that I could never explain to people. I was like, it exists. Sometimes they talk about music. Sometimes there's guests. We've been watching some clips. I showed Kevin. Yeah. They oh, should God. revive this. Like, oh, it yeah. should come back. Absolutely. The apartment setting is amazing. Orlando Jones He's is, free. like, trying to do camera work for you. And oh, you're dude. Still getting started on him. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, it's, it's kind of fun to work for Fox now. Uh, again, you know, I was there at FX when that first started. But, but that show that you're talking about, Sound Effects, initially was me – uh, Orlando and um, this other guy named Matt, who I love, uh, who is a producer now, does a lot of stuff for like uh, TLC and Discovery Channel and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we used to have a lot of live bands come in and play in that apartment, and then we would do interviews and we would do record reviews and things like that. And I had already come from, I worked at MTV uh, before then, you know, I was a, a VJ at MTV, and before that I had run a radio station. And so really music uh, was what I knew a lot about. And and really was quite passionate about. And I was working with people who were very casual. I mean, everybody, you know, a lot of people love music, but they didn't necessarily come from covering that as a background. So, yeah. um, so on that, you know, I was, uh, certainly that was much more in my wheelhouse than it was for, you know, Orlando or Matt and Orlando <laughs> then left. Um, and jo uh, Jeff <laughs> probably started doing stuff with us because he used to work on another show and it was interesting because he really, that was not his element at all. And I remember one time I kind of freaked out because the, we had the roots on. I mean, we had bands on that were, that are huge now, or, you know, some have come and gone, but, you know, I, I remember that. I was like, oh my God, I had the roots on. Like, that's awesome. You know, um, <laughs> it's awesome. And I remember yeah, way though. Before, he, he, like way before. Become, like, way before. Way before. They're mega hit, yeah. and, they're, and now Dude. Fallon should be sending you a check, I feel. No lie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would love that. And so I'm sitting there, and we were doing something, and we, were, we had the roots, and we were going to come back. He was uh, Jeff was kind of tossing to a commercial break, and I'll never forget this. He kind of, like, pulled his pants down low around, his, you know, like, and he started doing this sort of, quote-unquote, like, homeboy uh like thing and and he said, yo, you know, we'll be back or something. And <laughs> I remember I was like, what, what the, what am I looking yep. at? Like, what yep. the, what is it? <laughs> and, I, and I think the band too was kind of like, huh? And I think I, I do remember after having like a conversation with the production, like, yeah. Um, like, can we never, ever have that happen again? Like, <laughs> you know, that's not okay. You know, uh, that kind of thing was, was nuts. But I mean, we really did. We had Sugar Ray come on and play. I had, Somewhere out there online, there's an interview with me with Slash uh, floating around, which was amazing because he, you know, it's Slash. Yeah, Come on. We the guy is so out. unbelievably yeah. cool. And I remember he came in, and, and he's just awesome. And uh, But he was smoking a cigarette. And um, some of them were like, okay, yo, yeah, Karen, you, can, you, know, he, you, can, you can't smoke on TV. You can't smoke on TV. I'm like, yeah, yeah guys, Slash, not. What are you going to do? <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 you got to tell him. You got you to gotta tell him. I'm like, oh, really? So now it's my job to tell him, okay, uh, thanks for that. And so we're going and we're doing the interview and he's smoking. And he said something, and I forget what I said, 
But I was like, yeah, we also don't, or maybe he swore. And I was like, yeah, we also don't smoke on TV. And he's like, <laughs> kept smoking. And I was like, look, I did. I, did. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I was like, I, it's flash. So whatever, folks. Um, so, you know, I, I did have a lot of fun there. And like I said, I came from doing music before then. So, uh, you know, to me, that was always just really fun. I do love, I do love uh, working in music. It's great. I do love the fact that this wrangling and keeping everybody in line has been a consistent through piece oh, totally. in your career. So oh, yeah. I, oh, it, yeah. it only makes sense uh, that you would do this. But So tell us how you make the transition from doing the entertainment and the music side to then saying, you know what? MMA. Yeah. It's a thing, right? Yeah. To take on the new ones. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I did um, Showbiz Tonight on CNN when we brought it back. They brought it back. Um, so I was doing that five nights a week, and it was really fun, you know, live live show five nights a week, and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, actors and, and, and obviously coming in, and it was it was, it was fun. Um, but when I left there, my agent uh, at the time also managed Steve Albert, uh, and Steve was working over at Showtime Boxing, and so he knew that Showtime was looking for a new reporter, you know, kind of doing the, the fighter interviews and, you know, just general reporting around. So he had a meeting with them. Um, I've told this story before. It kind of, it's, it sounds so obnoxious, but it's true. Uh, so he goes over to Showtime and there was a, you know, their offices up in Times Square and they said they needed a reporter and yada, yada, yada. So he says, uh, does it have to be a guy? And they go, well, no, it doesn't have to be a guy. And he's like, okay, how about, Come here. And he points out the window. Well, there happened to be a billboard of me and uh, my co-host, AJ, for Showbiz Tonight that was up in Times Square. So he kind of points awesome. out the window. And By the way, that's... This is we so hard. Yeah, like, I know exactly what her? you're talking about, Karen. Right? Yeah, exactly. been there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wish I was there for this because the way my, my old agent tells it, it's great. And they were like, okay, yeah, cool. We'll, you know, we'll take a meeting. So I remember I just went to lunch. Uh, with like the three heads of uh, you know sports at, at Showtime, and we totally hit it off. And I started working for them like really soon after. And um, so I worked for them for three and a half years, doing the backstage reporting and the you know fighter interviews, um, which was great. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So from there, you know they were going to start doing those fights on CBS. And um, I started working on those. So you know I was there for you know the whole Kimbo Kimbo Gate. Um, and all that stuff, so that first round of, of shows that CBS did. And, you know, while the I was doing the, the boxing, what's that? Yeah, Elite XC, yeah. Yeah, Elite XC. Elite XC. And so while, uh, while I was doing that, we, uh, around two, 2007 or so, my husband and I decided, you know, we should start to like, cover MMA and, you know, do some stuff online and kind of, you know, because Showtime wasn't a full-time thing. Um, and we both really, you know, liked it. And um, so it was kind of something to kind of, give me more to do as well. Um, and so uh, we started MMA in 2007, but the transition really came from uh, switching from entertainment into covering boxing and then from boxing, you know, just, uh, just covering MMA was an easy transition. And the dynamic that you and your husband have is great. And unlike anything that you'll see anywhere else, like you guys, you work really well together. I think it's kind of funny that you see the two of you guys like your Saturdays are set for here into eternity because right. the UFC just decides they're like, let's make uh 20 more events a right. year. So do you ever look at that schedule? Like they just released next year's schedule and do you just go, right. Okay. 
Yeah, well, it's tricky for us too because um, you know a lot of time now, more uh, more more times now, I'm at Fox, um, so that's you know we're, we haven't been to as many sometimes because it depends. Like sometimes if I'm doing both days or if I'm only doing the Friday, it's kind of hard for me to get there for the Saturday. Um, so it's tricky, but like for this weekend, we know we were supposed to go, but the hard part is, you know, it, it's great being a family, quote unquote family business and being the two of us. Cause we know that, you know, there's not somebody working to undermine you and you're not right. going to get stabbed <laughs> in the back by that a-hole coworker. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's cool, but but the problem is, you know, we have a daughter, and so if we leave to go cover a fight, well, guess what? Somebody needs to come and take care of our daughter. We don't have a nanny. We don't have, um, you know, contrary to popular belief, not everybody on TV is rich. You know, it's not like I have a personal assistance and all this stuff. And so we usually end up flying his mother in from Denver to look after uh, our daughter and with it being the holidays and stuff right now, and they were just out here a few weeks ago, like the timing just didn't work out. So that's why at the last minute, you know, we weren't able to go this weekend. So it's, it's hard, you know, people uh, maybe don't understand how much um, effort it is for us to, to, you know, go and do this. And it is just the two of us and we don't have a lot of people to rely on. But yes, to answer your question, like I was just talking to my brother yesterday about Vegas. I'm like, oh, I'm not there this weekend, but I'll be there in January. I'll be there in February. I'll be there in March. You know what I mean? I was like, see, anytime you want to meet me out there, it's cool. I'll be in Vegas, you know. Um, but it's interesting, you know, we've done it a lot and it, it is really fun. I will say this, so the Fight Pass has made some things a little less um, uh, what's the word? It's not even just about being lucrative, but you know, there's a lot of things that are funneled to fight past now. Um, and I feel like a lot of the sort of independent, um, outlets and stuff have noticed, you know, some, some changes and things because, you know, obviously it makes sense that, that the UFC wants to kind of corral the stuff for themselves and, and, and streamline, you know, the access to the fighters and stuff. So that, you know, the paradigm did shift a little bit with that. Um, so we'll see how it keeps continuing to go because, you know, we used to have, used to be one-on-ones with the fighters and then it was scrums with the fighters. And now it's, you know, some things are, you know, with Dana, we would always have that big scrum that everybody loved. And then they started doing, you know, the download or something on, on fight pass. So it's a little trickier, you know, to find, um, the unique things that you can shoot at an event. So, so sometimes it's kind of like you go, well, I'm better served, uh, and the fans are better served with me going to a gym here and shooting a story with somebody in their gym or um, even we you know do a lot of Skype interviews and stuff. Sometimes you'll get more people that, uh, like I have one with, um, you know, Raquel Pennington from, from UFC 181. And granted, yeah, you know, yeah, the main guys get a lot of coverage, but, you know, some of the people lower down on the fight card don't get around to all the interviewers. So, I let, you know, it, it's nice to kind of do that as well. It's just interesting. But, you know, going to the fights is, is always going to be fun. And, uh, and you know, there's something really magical about being in the building when something happens, something crazy. And um, So, yeah, we'll be going to a lot of them for sure. So. Well, how many frequent, like, miles or rates have mm-hmm. you gotten from Vegas? Like, I feel that you just get there and they just, oh, well, it's Karen. You send her to the Karen yeah, Bryant well, suite. You know, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish, you know what, honestly, we, a lot of time we stay with um, a friend out there uh, because it's nice. It's a little more chill. Uh, he's got good internet, <laughs> unlike, <laughs> unlike the MGM. Wait, 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 I mean, wait, you wait guys... hold on. I was about to tell Kevin, Karen, you and I understand this. UFC internet is like, <sighs> I swear to God, it is 
a premium. When they put you in this little bunker, it's like a little like conference room. Yeah. And you yeah. see every journalist that you know and you read and you see on TV <laughs> just dying and like all of them literally bartering together it's like if i put my bandwidth and your bandwidth together do you think i can like load this one stupid video of me saying what's up to gsp (laughs) that's all we need is just to load this one thing up it is it's terrifying and the thing is i do this every once in a while this is karen's life so I i can't even imagine what you go through well, it's yeah, it's tough because um, you know Wade is the the tech side of everything. So the first thing he does is you know when we get to some place he does the speed test and sometimes he's like son of a, <laughs> you know because if we want to try to stream things, you know sometimes we stream things live and you know it really can be a problem. Um, and so he's you know really good on the tech stuff and found ways to upload stuff faster and and this and that. But really like there's times. Um, when he would go to, you know, Starbucks, like, you know, after the weigh-ins or maybe we had a bunch of interviews on the Thursday and this and that, and the, you know, the, yeah, the media room is all clogged and congested and you're getting like no upload speed. And so he would go to Starbucks somewhere, you know, out in Vegas late at night and he'd still be doing this. I mean, like if people really knew how much, uh, how many late, like ridiculously late nights we've had, um, uploading things. It's crazy. So yeah, there, that, the, the internet is bananas. So we have actually end up staying with a friend of ours a lot of the time. Uh, and it's just nice to, to just be able to go over there and chill, uh, and not have to deal with the whole hotel scene. But you know, it, it depends on the show and, and where we are. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I mean, it is also fun to sort of be around the whole fight thing. I kind of get that more on the road. Like I'll be going to Phoenix, uh, for the shows there. And it is kind of fun when you're all hanging out in the same hotel and you come down and, you know, everybody's having breakfast together. And, um, you know, that's cool. That's kind of cool. People all at the mini, like (laughs) in line at the toaster, the waffle maker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's weird because, like, I've been, like, on the Sweden shows or, you know, yeah, down in Brazil and you're just like, yeah, that's cool. I'm just, yeah, I'm just having breakfast with the cheetah and then I'm just going to go over (laughs) here and, you know, sit down with, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's fun. It, it, It really is, uh, you know, you get that, that definitely like family bond of, you know, it's cool. I really do. I really do like the people we get to work with. And I'll say this, like I've covered stuff and I've happened to cover it uh, with Karen and you, yeah. that's the super fun side of it. <laughs> totally. I will say the sad side is when it's like 2 a.m. You're trying to load something. And one of my favorite Karen Bryant moments is like you just came back. I think it was from a post presser. It's gone super late. And all of right. us rush over to go see what food is left from the UFC <laughs> stockpile right. of shut up reporters. Here's your food. Right. And the one thing I think Karen Bryan wanted was a cookie or popcorn. Yeah. And you yeah. were just like, listen, guys, we don't ask for a lot. But this is our sustenance food. Just totally. buy more. <laughs> totally. Well, because that's the thing is, you know, when you get there on fight night, they'll – all right, lunch, you know, lunch or dinner is served from, you know, three to three to five or whatever. So you get there and you chow down because you know it's not going to, you know, you're going to be working all night. And, yeah, all of a sudden it's one in the morning and the post-fight thing is over. Yeah, and you go over there and there's nothing to eat. And, and or, or people have learned that after the fight's over, you run over to the snack table <laughs> and then, like, hoard stuff. And then they're, like, prison style. It's, yeah. And, <laughs> but it's so bad because I've told people, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, like, Back and you know things change, but I remember you know I remember like okay my favorite is the Mediterranean spread at the MGM. That's the best yeah. lunch dinner thing because it's got all the salmon and the hummus and the couscous and that's the best one. 
And then, like, literally, you can go, like, oh, but shows in Denver, they have a really good brisket. Okay, but the Manalee Bay used to do a fajita thing, and they don't anymore. I was like, it's ridiculous. We know all the food. <laughs> we know. I'll tell you what's not good. The Shark Tank up in San Jose, that food is weak. Ooh. So... Wow, yeah, it's not we, t- it's we not have the good. tough questions. This we is do. the type of stuff we get. Yeah, it's like this we struck a chord with Karen. This is going to be the headline. I think she knows that. She's you. like, yeah, I got to respect them. Got to leave that with yeah. the headline. That's San Jose Shark Tank line. Uh, Karen, we've kept it civil because we're fans yeah. and you cover the sport, but we have a beef yeah. with you. Uh-oh. Uh, obviously, people can tune in to watch you covering the fights live quite frequently, but you also yes. have an MMA podcast. Yes, we do. Uh, MMA Heat, and I'm just looking at some guests where Gilbert Melendez, uh, you interviewed yeah. him while he's kind of chilling in his hotel, it appears. Right. My question is, why are you trying to put us out of business like this? Yeah. Um, you know, we can't, can't we all get along? Come on, man. Can't I, we all know, get think, along? <laughs> We would love to, but you're too professional. You yeah, we don't like your no, talent. You we don't like our no, dog and pony show look even worse. No, it's funny because, you know, my friend Pete that does it with me, he's been na- nicknamed the high old guy um, <laughs> by some people. And usually he's not high when we're doing the podcast. He's actually usually. not that old. <laughs> yeah, usually, yeah. I, yeah, asterisk. Um, he's got, uh, like, the beard makes him look a lot older than he is. But it's fun because we just, you know, we go, we, we have a good time. Um, we were doing it on podcast one, but we really like having the video option as well. And they weren't really offering that before. And um, so we've been doing that. And actually, we're, we're in the midst of, I'm sorry to say, like getting a real, like a better set and everything and like really amping it up to make it look really nice. Um, so enjoy your last week's on your show. <laughs> <laughs> No, you That's know, there's a jillion podcasts, and so we, there's room for all of us. I think there's room for all of us. Absolutely. That's what we're yeah. going to keep putting on our monogram. Yeah, it's like, when asked about our show, Karen Bryant said, there's room for all of us. Right. There <laughs> not, is. Not, not, not. There is. And I and, especially, you know that I love I love the uh, the fight night tweets, um, oh, the, the watching in real no, time. You really are a huge supporter of us. And the, the fun part is, I like to think that we do and say the things that other people cannot do and say. Totally. Yeah. So <laughs> I I always like being a, a third uh, entry into someone's brain. That's kind of like right. if you were at the UFC, this is what you would want to say. Want. Although right. Yeah. the only one that I thought like when you retweeted and you just responded when I said, look at all these Mexicans taking our jobs. And your response floored me when you're like, "Oh no, you did it!" And I'm like, the fun part is, I'm like, I know that Karen knows I'm kidding, but now I'm starting to realize, are other people gonna be like, "I hope Kevin didn't write this." No, I thought that was hilarious. Hilarious. It's like, oh, that's so wrong. Good God, that's so funny. No, we're obviously joking. We're big fans of MMA Heat. I, I enjoy your coverage. Um, and, oh, and yes, thank you. you. I've got about 17 MMA podcasts on my phone, so I don't know what I'm Oh, nice. About. UFC thank 181, because you. you've been kind enough to give us some time before we get you out of here. Any big yeah. predictions for the fights tomorrow night you know, is when they're going down Saturday night? I don't know. You know, I, I the only one that I feel pretty confident about is I think Travis will beat Brendan. 
I said the um, same thing yesterday, not with yeah. the confidence, but I was like, I feel, I like the way Travis looks in these square Yeah, He just has a look and on he's, his... Yeah, and he switched over to um, Glendale Fighting Club, and, yep. you know, I had a uh, nice uh, conversation with him on, on my podcast, sorry. Uh, but, um, <laughs> and we were, hate, just saying. Hey, it was a double She um, her own show as she was saying, I love like, your here's show. this exclusive I got. Stab. Yeah, if but, you guys are interested in listening to a real podcast. Oh, no, no, no. Dog. But it's, you know, Travis was talking about how he really has evolved uh, technically, you know, and, and that's something that he didn't really get at Jackson's. It's It's a great place for, you know, sparring, and it's a great place, like he would say, to sort of be around the championship mentality and stuff with John and, you know, to, to sort of uh, through osmosis, you know, pick some things up uh, around some of the guys there. But, you know, technically he, he didn't get as much training as he wanted to. And so he said when he got to, to Glendale Fighting Club, he and um, Edmund just really bonded. And, and he said, and, you know, he just really got technical instruction. So I'm curious to see how he puts it together because he seemed to be really fired up about that. So yeah. with that, with that, I'm, I mean, he was already good at beating a lot of people up anyway. And yes. I feel like now um, that's going to be, that's going to, I, I have, I have some confidence in him. Now the thing with Gilbert and Pettis, who knows? Anthony's amazing. I'm excited. You know, I'm it's like, he, he, he's, he's amazing. He's awesome. Um, so you, you know, the kicks are amazing. I mean, listen, we all know Gilbert's probably going to get kicked in the head. You know what I mean? Like probably more than once. Um, but I Gilbert love. Gilbert knows that. Like I'm sure Gilbert's right. working on the, yeah. Do you think Gilbert's just staring at a box of Wheaties right now? <laughs> just in, totally. uh, in anger and just staring at him being like, how dare you? I'm going to take this away from you. How... You look very nice in this tie and shirt. Who, who wears a tie and a shirt on Wheaties? I know. Well, wasn't that one of the scandals people were saying, like, what's wrong? You didn't want, like, the tattooed guy uh, <laughs> on the cover? And, yeah. You know, I don't know. But, yeah, so that fight, I, you know, Gilbert, I, Gilbert, I, I literally think, like, you know, you have to, like, drag his dead body out of the octagon before he'll quit. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, I think he's going to give it everything he's got. And, you know, he, he could pull it off. Uh, I, I actually kind of thought he beat Benson Henderson before, and granted Benson and, and, and Anthony are two very different fighters. But um, sure. that fight, I think, is going to be great. Uh, Robbie, I feel like Robbie's momentum will help him against Johnny. Um, you know, Johnny, you know, had all the torn bicep, and and uh, coming back from that, I think, could maybe, I mean, you know, he's fantastic, obviously. Uh, and those takedowns are sick, and that left hand is crazy. And the bicep was the right arm. It wasn't the left so it shouldn't really have affected his punching power. But before he was saying it really affected his takedowns. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I like I like Robbie's momentum, uh, and I like that it was so close before, and it literally came down to that fifth round and that one takedown. And I feel like Robbie um, may be just uh, a lot more. Um, not that he wasn't focused, but you know what I mean. Try to get it done yeah. in, the, in the earlier rounds and stuff. But uh, you know that fight. That fight's ridiculous. Come on. See, I like this. I like yeah. this side of Karen Bryant because normally you're you're the professional journalist. We don't necessarily Let's get to hear you do this, but <laughs> yeah. your analysis is so on point. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, maybe better than DC's. And he's a fighter. Oh, he doesn't know what he's hey, talking about. DC, you heard it. I'm just saying because <laughs> that was Sparza. Yeah, yeah, at legal Latino That's on right. Twitter. Um, I'm also DC. I can get you his personal. Address That's fine. But DC right. would agree with me because I think for the most part, Karen didn't use this voice, which is, we'll see everybody when I'm talking and giving my my opinion. 
there's like a half range that's higher in my voice. So I have to wonder that voice that's talking in Karen's ear, if she can even hear it, because I'm just so loud. When a farm tractor gets going, it's it can't. The momentum's there. You see I what I'm saying? Once like it, when I boxed a kangaroo. Oh my god! Have you boxed a kangaroo? It, it's crazy. I would suggest no, doing it. That's so. what Pettis is. It's kangaroo. He's a kangaroo. And then he points back at Karen, like, please save this. And then he'll just this. be like, Karen, isn't that right? And you just go, yup. Let's move Yup. That is great. So, oh, you guys yeah. are killing me. You're killing me. Karen, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you swinging by the podcast to let us bother you about sound effects, all things MMA. <laughs> Of course, everyone can find you MMA Heat or yep. tune in to the live events. You'll tune into anything or Fox anything. Related. Yeah, if Fox yes. has it, you'll see Karen Ryan. If you'll see her on and UFC will... tonight. Thank you. Yes, I will. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the Tough Talk because Tough Talk has been one of the most like pleasantly not. Su- I don't know if it's surprising, but like. I've I literally have gotten some moments on there where I was like, Oh my god, yeah. this just happened. Like certain I, I've I've like sat there, I'm like I, I want a bag of popcorn sometimes while I'm doing these <laughs> for my own things. I'm like, oh, ooh girl, get her you know what I mean? And, um I've had I've had a lot of fun doing that and I really have to say like the the girls have been awesome. You know, I've I've put them in some really incredibly uncomfortable positions yeah. um and and they've handled it really well so i i, I really do uh thank them for that but we there are times in my producer now coming up with questions we're like oh my god that's so bad we gotta ask that <laughs> no so i will say Karen, uh we do a segment on here it's become our trademark um yeah we haven't been able to do it this this season but uh we do what's called a one minute review where right. i review the entire episode of The Ultimate Fighter in exactly one minute. Every never single been one minute. It's ever always been one minute. The, it's, always, it's never been under a, five. Absolutely think, been sure. one minute okay. every single yeah. time. Kevin is not used to numbers. But right. what I always said for years is I was like, I want to do a show where you talk to the fighters after the fact. And I was like, because, yeah. you know, talking bad exists after breaking bad. Right, exactly. Why not do that with fighters? And then lo and behold, I look on there and I see you doing it, and I go, listen, if it was going to be anybody, I'm so glad it's Karen. Because she's at least making it a real show and probably doing it the real way, as opposed to me being like, hey, so you lost. That was great, right? That was great. That was great. Yeah, no, and well, well, look at you're a genius then, because you knew it was a good idea. So I just uh, hope we get to like continue it, because even though, you know, the, 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 the women are known to be more, you know, dramatic or this or that, I still feel that it's, a, it's, a, it's worth doing, um, you know, on other seasons, Absolutely. too, because a lot of stuff happens. Um, I think it would totally be worth worth continuing. So I hope that and we I do. I love the fact that you get to bring in, like, other alumni on there. Like, when yeah. you brought Uriah on, I was like, that's cool, because – it is kind of like that fraternity where you yeah. should be able to bring back people and get them good stage time because it's a tough life. I mean, like you said, where most people assume that when you're on TV, you just make millions of dollars. Those guys, yep. they need that coverage to they not do. only stay current, but apparently now if their UFC rankings are high, they're going to make more money. So they've got right. to make that case consistently. Right. Um, so no, that's something we're, we're akin to absolutely. understanding. But yes, we cannot thank you enough. Thank you for – uh, making this happen. And uh, before we get you out of here, uh, Karen, just level with us. Mm-hmm. We've, we've done a hundred of these. Yeah. 
How do you do it professionally? Yeah, how many more before we get good? In one word. When's that? Um, uh, sober? Well, oh, you've yeah, asked too Okay, much. well, no. no, that's a good tip because I've that's been. Not happen. I didn't know about that though. That's, no. Okay, someone should have said that earlier. Well, someone, the podcast will cease to exist. Fifty if that's episodes the case. are going to be helpful. Yeah. Does that include editing or? No, no, God, the edit process is all about the drink. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Things got close. Uh, Verbal Tap fans, Karen Bryant. Thanks, guys. What's up, guys? It's Max Antic. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on uh, 100 episodes, man. That's awesome. If I would have kept up with my podcast, I would have uh, still 95 to go to catch up to you. So uh, here's to another 100. Good work, guys. Hope to be on again soon. Hi there. Uh, this uh, message is for Raph. Uh, I'd like you to return all those Nawaza shirts that you took from our booth last weekend. Um, kind of irritated. Uh, you, you said you were going to show them to somebody who wanted to buy something or something, and uh, I, I haven't gotten them back. So uh, uh, if you could please just, you know, send them to our warehouse or, you know, something, that'd be great. Hey, guys, this is Paul from Ultimate Radio and the Journey Podcast. Uh, just calling to wish you guys congratulations on reaching another milestone. There are very few shows out there dedicated to the scene, uh, as you are. I mean, Open Net Radio is, and that's probably where you should start. But um, when I haven't kicked out an episode and you need some methadone, a podcast, go to your friends at Verbal Tap. But seriously, I love the podcast, and of course our collaborations with Around the Mat, our YouTube series that uh, we get to do together, and could not be happier that you guys or just keep plugging away and putting out good content. So uh, cheers to that, and here's to another couple hundred episodes uh, down the path. So very proud of you. Keep it up, and I will catch you around next. Peace, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? This is L.C. Davis, Bellator fighter representing Kansas City. Uh, I just want to wish you guys a uh, – congratulate you guys, actually, on your 100th episode of Verbal Tap MMA. Um, keep doing what you're doing, guys. I uh, always love being on the show, and uh, uh, keep it going. Take care. Bye. We brought the man that's internet famous, about to be ADCC famous, who's beating some ass next week, Brandon McCatherine from 10th Planet, down in Decatur, Alabama. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm glorious and good. How are you? Great. Thanks for stopping by our happy 100th. You wrote us a song, Raph is telling me. Yes. Um, I just, I love you guys, and I just wanted to like do something special for you that I just try to think like all the nicest things that I could think of about oh, you guys and wow. put them all together, you know, like for one, one little ball of happiness, just to kind of bring a spark of joy into each of your lives. That you is know? so you nice. Me. 
That is really so nice. Like, I didn't expect all of this. This is really a beautiful voice, too. Like, it's really going to be great to hear him sing about it. Well, let's let's let's, listen to the song. Yeah, let's just listen to the song then. Verbal town. They got the worst jujitsu show on the radio. Brandon, I <clears throat> there are some nuances to the song that mm-hmm. maybe one could take as uh, what's the word? I'll take it. How long did it take you to write that? Oh, I, I spent almost uh, two years writing that. <laughs> Strange. It felt like the opposite. It just it kind of felt like maybe one of those songs where if you listen to it more, mm-hmm. it'll start to go maybe. on you. It just had I'm a connotation sure. that yeah. kind of 
wasn't always as joyful so right. much as like so much like kind of like when a stripper kicks you in the nuts is sort mm-hmm. of kind of how it yep. felt. In this case, Brandon, uh, you would be the stripper. You get kicked in the nuts by strippers a lot. I'm sorry. I mean, you get what you pay for, am have I right? You not? You're from Alabama. <laughs> Don't pretend like you haven't. What else do you do in Decatur, <laughs> sir? Like, oh, yeah. Our strippers, they're fine grade <laughs> they're A class over here. Uh, Brandon, I guess we can thank you. I yeah, guess, I mean, again, beautiful guitar playing. And great singing. Very great singing, but just the lyrics. And heartfelt lyrics. Well, they're heartfelt. Well, right? heartfelt. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely heart behind they it. Came, they came from a good place. That's... I mean, almost in a way that was like almost a little too much heart yeah. in a scary way. It was like, oh, yeah. Um, did did you play this for anybody like beforehand or like did you maybe get someone to proofread it or something? Some yeah, yeah. Like uh, my, my kids, they really liked it. <laughs> wow. It's, some say kids are the They're, toughest critics. So yeah. that if they liked it, if that's they, great. That I means mean, that yeah. it's... That's what I'm saying. Okay. You know, like I believe in three chords and the truth. You know what I mean? <laughs> Put it, just put it out there. Three chords and the truth. Is so, Brandon, be a when you were when you were I'm putting thinking. together the song for us, you know, what was the prevailing thought that was going through your head? What what really you I know, was stuck out? Surprised you didn't mention our good looks mm-hmm. or comedic timing. Absolute great interviewing you skills. No, I did mention your comedic timing. I did. I did. Uh, oh, oh, he, that he was, did actually he did cover it. I, you blocked I talked, that part I out. About your comedy specifically, yeah. Yeah, I guess I thought, you know, it would have a positive spin. Yeah, what was, where do you inspire no, that, that type that, of... That was, I, I'm trying to, like, lift you guys up, you know? Yeah. You, like that was... Mm, like a Josh Groban type, yep. but for jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well... I don't really know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I think we're all working out what we think yeah. it means. Uh, well, Brandon, yeah. can we can we tell you thank you for taking the time to write a beautiful song? Ballad. It was a yeah. ballad of yeah. love. I could feel it actually coming through. That it was like there. You, as soon as he hits that beautiful C note, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Lovely, lovely work. Well, thank you, and uh, lovely work by you, gentlemen, as well. Thank you. Thank One you. of these days, you should use your talents for good instead of evil. I'm just I'm throwing ideas out there. You take Is it, it weird you though to have written a song for us before Kevin could have written a song oh, for I you? I knew that was going to get brought up. It's in development. Well, you know, it's not that weird. Like at this point, I'm at peace with it. Like I know that Kevin <laughs> is a liar. You know, so it's you know, it's kind of like you grew up with an alcoholic dad. Look <laughs> at just the three years. We've gotten yeah. through some metaphors. This is my fault for starting <laughs> with this trip. Definitely the darkest path we've taken yeah. any of our guests so far. Well, Brandon, beautiful voice singing, beautiful guitar playing, and we will be sure to play that as frequently as I can possibly fit it into the podcast. Cool, that sounds good. That'll be the best part of your show every week. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a ton of singers. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're down in 10th Planet, go to, or down in Decatur, Alabama, go to uh, 11th or 9th Planet. I would skip the 10th one, because occasionally... Uh, Brandon's teaching there. No, of course, check yeah. out 10th Planet. That crap don't work anyway. So <laughs> don't work. <laughs> Everybody know that stuffs don't work. <laughs> and no gee jits. Uh, it'll be great. We're looking forward to hearing how ADCC goes, and of course, we'll be in touch, good sir. Hey, it's just the trials. Now, let's not pretend like I'm at ADCC just yet. Hey. But- Okay. We'll see. Not with that attitude. On <laughs> you walk in and you're like, where's yeah. Vinnie Bagales? Excuse me. Hi, I'm just looking for my seat next to Keenan. And then they're going to be like, that guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only talent of the musical 
jujitsu world. Terrible wording. No. Brandon McCann. Yeah, that was that was a struggle. Oh, I love beautiful. you. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's Jan Poplo. Just wanted to call and say congratulations to everyone over at Verbal Tap Podcast. You guys are killing it. Keep it going. Congrats on the hundredth episode. And uh, here's to hundred more. Oops. Hey, this is Stephen Briggs. Just giving a shout out to my favorite podcast, Verbal Tap, and also reminding Kevin that he still owes me five pounds from our bet. I want five pounds off that belly. I want five pounds off that belly. Hey guys, this is Todd from White Belt Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I want to take a second to uh, congratulate Roth and Kevin on your 100th episode. Uh, we're very honored to have been a part of that uh, 100 episodes. I'd like to uh, unveil the very first voicemail meme. Ready? That face, when you're proud to be part of the Verbal Tap legacy. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, uh, so you guys just uh, gave me the shirts back, and they're all stretched out. And uh, it looks like there's a Dorito stain uh, right on the collar. So I don't know. I'm just gonna charge you guys or whatever. I mean, like, oh, uh, I just, I just can't, I can't sell that stuff. I mean, one of them says, uh, you know, this belongs to Kid Dale's lover inside the, the, the collar, and I, that's just, no one's going to buy that. So, uh, if you guys could just square this away with me, uh, that'd be great. Tap, it is a 100th episode celebration indeed. And this next guest, I got to tell you, I thought Raph was messing with me. Um, I was really reluctant. I thought I was falling for one of your elaborate jokes, Raph, which you tend to do to me. You do tend to set me up and take me in different directions. Well, you're easy to set up, so it's not very difficult. No need to get that jab in there, but I appreciate okay. it. On the line, the veteran voice of the Octagon, um, acclaimed author. Long-time mixed martial artist, but you know him as the man that sets the tone to raising people's hand and getting the fight started. No better place on display than 181. We have Bruce Buffer on the line. Bruce, how are you doing this evening? Hi, guys. How are you both? I really appreciate being on, and thanks for that very cool intro. I like it. Checks in the mail. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to – Raph already talked me off the ledge. I was like, should I give it some energy? Should I try and throw oh, some bass no. in it? Raph was like, do not do that. No. Do not try and go at his game. It is a very <laughs> serious craft. And I have some artistic questions for you. Sure. So your voice doesn't just happen the way you the way you get fights started. It requires some energy. It requires some practice and some preparation. I was wondering if you could tell me about the process side of it. Just are you like a tea drinker before big events? What goes into well, really, the first voice? Thing is yeah, go ahead. First thing that happened is my, my dad had a conjugal visit with my mother, which created me, <laughs> which created the whole thing. Because quite frankly, I just, I don't rehearse. I'll be honest with you. I don't. And, I, and I'll tell you, I write about, yeah, I, I, I like everything in my life to run through two things, which are very important words to me. One is passion. I'm very passionate about everything that I love to do. And at 57 now, I think I have the right to uh, 
you know, after working so hard to get, you know, whatever I've achieved in my life, because I believe we're all created equal. It's just about the paths we choose and how well we do the, you know, how well we do each path, um, barring any, you know, ability to jump six feet and, and run like the wind. I mean, that's obviously God given, uh, whoever your God is, they gave it to him. So bottom line is, is that I feel up the energy of the crowd when I walk out of the UFC in particular into the octagon and I don't stand in the shower and, you know, yell out Chuck Liddell's and scrubbing my armpits. I mean, I basically just wait till I get into that arena, feel the energy, and go out and do it. And that's where the second word comes in, which is organically. So I like to do everything in my life organically because I find that when I build businesses and they, whatever marketing I apply to those businesses and they grow and they become successful due to greater, you know, marketing, that perfect choice that creates an organic reaction of interest, you know, and then you, then you create customers. And in performing, it's like I never wanted to be Frank Sinatra Jr., so I didn't want to copy my brother, the great Michael Buffer, uh, who really, to me, brought the attention to the ring announcer to begin with some 25, 30 years ago, beyond a role that's been around forever, you know, in the fight game. Um, And to do that, I knew that organically I had to grow with it. And and if I look back at those first few shows, I'm like, you know, nope, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I can see I started somewhere. That's all I can tell you. (laughs) It grew to where it is today, you know, and I just try to do the best job I can. I give over 100% effort every night I walk out there like it's my first night. So you you mentioned this style. So I like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the moment, improvisation. I like it. I got to ask. Well, I love it. I love improvisation. I actually wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, and I studied improvisation. I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a dancer and an actor when I was younger. Then I got too big to be a dancer, and I got into martial arts because I like to fight. And then I finally started, you know, doing it in schools of, of dojos. And uh, you know, my my love for that, and my uh, next love in sports, and my main love, my favorite sport of all, is surfing. Ooh, okay, there's a lot in there. I, I don't know how, if you're a producer for Dancing with the Stars and you hear this, you aren't immediately trying to book Bruce Buffer know, on that show. Say, plus, <laughs> two I, don't, seconds I, know that, I don't need him being a guys, surfer, what, too. Like, a great voice, <laughs> really successful business, and he surfs. That's not fair. I'll, let's, let's I'll tell you a brief background on that, but I will tell you, like, you know, that they know me over at Dancing with the Stars. I actually know the casting agent. I've, I've talked to her over the last few years, and... <laughs> You know, if I ever got that call, um, it's something you just have to do in life because it would be incredible. I'll tell you, the only the dancing doesn't bother me. That I know I can handle because I'm light on my feet, um, and I've got good coordination. Here's from surfing and all the martial arts. I think that really helped through my life. Uh, but it's the training. Chuck Liddell said it was the hardest thing he ever did. He told mm-hmm. the hardest thing he ever did was the training, and that's where you get hurt. You know, it was in the training. So oh, I give a lot of credit to dancers, man. They work hard. But as far as the, as the uh, surfing thing. And again, I'm taking up your airspace here. I'm sorry, but you got me on a couple of tangents. You do. The, uh, it's yours. Uh, when I was 15, we moved from Philadelphia to Malibu, which was like culture shock. You know, my dad ran uh, Fortune 500 companies and it brought us out to Malibu. I write about this in my book, you know, but there's a lot more detail. But I never saw girls like that. I never saw the blondes running out of the ocean. You know, we just had, the, you know, the boardwalk and, and Snooky running around, you know, and a lot of other pretty girls. <laughs> so it's like it was a whole new world in that tropical paradise called Malibu, California. And um, all I wanted to do was learn how to surf and lose my virginity at 15. My hormones were flying, but I learned how to surf oh. first, became a lifeguard, and everything else followed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we've been talking about. We've been talking about, like, they need a really good UFC uh, drama with, like, this type of lifestyle behind it. And that's another cool story. It's like you find yourself on the coast surfing, and the next thing you know, uh, you're screaming in the octagon. Well, it's in the book. It's in the Bible. Amazon.com, baby. <laughs> it's time. My 360-degree view 
of the UFC by Bruce Buffer. Yeah, Raph is a longtime advocate of the book. He's been yelling at me to read it for a few months now. Thanks, Raph. Oh, no problem. I love this. There should also be an accompanying. Oh, and I guess no thanks, Kevin. Uh, for I'm still working on the whole reading thing. Kansas. It's true. Raised. It's a very difficult thing for him. That, Kevin, raised. that's okay. Can I ask how old you are? I am a, literally seven <laughs> hours from turning 29. There you go. Okay. Well, you're still in the 20s, and you know what? Yeah. What's happening now is, um, if I had the technological stuff that's around today when I started managing Michael after we met. You know, because we're long lost half brothers. Only met him 25 years ago or so. But if I had the the technological equipment to be able to market, let's get ready to rumble, and build his career the way that I, you know, so wonderfully and, and honored to have had the chance to do, I would have done three times as much business with all the the you know the the uh, texting and the, and the email. We didn't even, we didn't have that kind of thing back then. I mean, we were on the 56 drive up or whatever it's called phone up lines. Internet took forever. I was there till four in the morning sending faxes where today you press a button and they're all going on Texas and multiple, you know, emails. But long story cut short, we live in an ADD society, which has caused people and young people, especially in, in your generation and now more so in the next generation. They don't read as a rule. Everything is the quick fix. It's, I remember you said four page articles and it became maximum, you know, one page and it became quarter page yeah. because it's all about the quick fix and on to the next thing which is not good for marriages to last a long time and not good for business partners that you want to trust your money and your future with. But that's the kind of society. It's a, it's, it's a quick fix society. People don't read books like they used to. True story. Good, right? Bruce, I got to switch gears here. I do have to ask you this. This is something I've always wondered, I guess in the back of my mind. Your brother does voice work. You do voice work. What does a phone call between the two of you sound like? Do you like call each other and go? It's time to go to the market. Um, could you? Do you mind? We are two of the com. <laughs> it's a good question, and, and I know people wonder about Thanksgiving dinner. You know, is it pass the mashed potatoes? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, man, we're just two calm, calm, cool cats, man. We just call each other up. Hey, Michael. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? You know, he's got that amazing voice. Our dad's has, voice was even more amazing. Has there and ever been just, a note uh, between the two of you? Like, has he ever dropped you a note and been like, hey? I wouldn't have emphasized the Enya so hard. I wouldn't have what? Say I again. wouldn't have emphasized the Enya so hard. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no competition between us. It's not. I mean, I've been managing his career for 25 years, been his partner, um, developing, you know, all the licenses and everything evolving around the toys and products and everything that we've had the pleasure of being part of. And uh, it's just a, it's a passionate business between two brothers who love each other who met each other very late in life. But we're not the same. I'm not Frank Sinatra Jr. I never wanted to copy him. People copy him all the time, and I see people copying my style. But that's the height of flattery, but that's not my intention with my brother. I told myself, if I can't do this the way I want to do it, you know, like Sinatra said, my way, then I'm not doing it. You know, period. Absolutely. And you've been, you helped him trademark uh, a lot of those phrases. You've, you guys have been in business together for a while. Is he also a poker player? No, Michael made a bet on a blackjack table some 15 years ago when we were in Vegas. I think he put a $100 black chip down, lost it, and, and believe me, no bets since then. He's probably got the lumpiest mattress in Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. I was like, because that could make some, for some very good house parties. Uh, obviously, people know I wish he now. did. You're quite a I wish he player. did. The guy's loaded. I'd like to take part of that cash back. Of course. <laughs> 
Uh, and Bruce, you've been doing this for a while now, and we see you obviously um, around the in the sold out arenas now. Can, is there some time back in the beginning? Can you tell us about a few of like the maybe less glamorous times you announced some things in like uh, genuine, more shystier type venues? Well, I probably worked a couple of cowboy bars where the fights in the audience were better than the fights in the ring or the cage that I was working <laughs> in. Um, definitely. And uh, I've been in some pretty funky places. But even going back with the UFC, you go back to like, I think it was around 27 or 24 in, those, in that area. Uh, we had an event in um, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. It was definitely Louisiana. And there was only about 1,800 people in attendance at the time, you know, not the 20,000, 15,000, you know, filled more or less that we do now. But uh, And it was a very diehard audience because this was during the McCain era, you know, when he did the human cockfighting comment and they took us off TV except for in demand. And we went from being in about 100 million homes or 65 million homes rather down to like 15 million homes on direct TV and all that. It was a big change before before Dana White and the Petito Brothers bought the organization. So here we are in this arena and... Kevin Randleman is the main event and he's walking out to the octagon and he slips and falls and, and knocks himself out of one of those steel tubes, you know, in the back that you'd see hanging around, you know, from uh, light, you know, lighting, a, well, literally like a, like a steel pole. Okay. So I get, I get told in my IFB in my, in, the, in my ears, I'm waiting to do the thing. I got to tell the audience that there's no main event. So I thought it was like, you know, and it was basically bottles and uh, can time you know, get out of there. Cause it was a different, it was a different thing back then. We had this core audience holding us together, but that was like one of the worst experiences I ever had as far as being in that. Otherwise I could tell you, I tell you story, King of the cage. I walked in and with no secret, Ken Shamrock walked in and some guy talked bad about his wife. And his, I go, hi Ken, as he's walking into the bathroom. And after he went in the bathroom, he ran across the guy who was an ex fighter and they brawled and Ken beat him up pretty bad at the bathroom that night, oh you know? God. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing he said to another, I guess it, it got into a fisticuff, and I missed that one. Or 20 minutes later, after uh, being out with BJ and partying in Hawaii, and I, I get done, and we, we always had a lot of great times together, and my little Hawaiian brother gets arrested by the police for brawling with the police 20 minutes later. Had I been there, who knows how I would have. I could have been in cuffs with him. Who knows? There's all these incredible experiences, and that's why you got to pick up the book and read the Bible. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did want to ask this, because this is always something that I'm – watching when you're announcing is there seems to be a fun game a lot of the fighters when you're announcing them they're in the zone or they get really into it has there ever been a fighter's look or glance or maybe even if they're laughing that's maybe thrown you or just kind of uh surprised you because i feel that that's the most real reactions you get from them in the cage right before the fight starts oh it's well it's staring into the eye of the tiger you know yeah. you're literally i something you can't even possibly get the same feeling from from the the level and the the viewpoint you know whether it's a foot six feet or 12 feet you know away from their face as, as can happen at times so uh with me you know the way i work and, and the way they react to me it's not just me it's them they come towards me sometimes yeah. so um or you know the fist bump that cole miller actually started and then he got upset with me because suddenly i have fist bumped by somebody else and he's like keep getting on my case i'm like cole calm down your problem is not with me, it's with them. And I'm not going to disrespect them if they want to fist bump me. He goes, oh, okay, Bob, I got it. But still, I'm the first one to do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was one instance, I think it was the first time Mirko Krokop came in, right? And I'm going into his space as I'm announcing, and he had this look of death on his face, like, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm not going to go quite there just yet. 
let me let me get let me let Miracle get used to my style first. So I waited until about the second or third time before I gave him the full thing. And and then he comes up to me and goes, you know, I really love the way you announced me. It gets me going in a Miracle Crow Cop way. And I'm thinking, geez, I wish you would have told me that before the first time I announced you. You scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Miracle Crow Cop, by the way, good instincts to be scared of, just from a pure yeah personality test it's like you forget bruce is next to some big dudes hanging out who have been doing a lot of fighting and let me tell you those little dudes you know mighty mouse could screw up any man walking on the street trust me those little dudes are just as scary at times i was just about to ask you're cage side all the time you see these guys at their most vulnerable which is those seconds right before the fight right as soon as they get in and the bell rings they click what's what's it being like that close do you get a different sense yeah, you can tell, and I don't want to mention any names, but you can tell when somebody's nervous, when somebody's scared, when that first time walking in and, and the lights of the show, shall we say, which is the UFC, you know, the 800-pound gorilla, that's where everybody wants to be. And then suddenly the octagon door closes, and I'm in there, and I, you know, whip my body into you and, and start roaring your name. It's like, dude, you're here. This is it. It's about to happen, man. This is what you, this is what you wanted. You got it. It's time. Let's make it happen, you know? And I see a lot of, I, I can see it. I, you could, I get the chance, again, to look into the eye of a tiger. Or even when I'm, like, I don't go into the cage until the first man walks in, and I go in before the second one walks out, and I'll be there when the first guy's getting checked out by the referees, and his music's playing, and the people are giving him adulation, and you can see in people's faces sometimes what's going on. Absolutely. This is the type of insight, Raph, this is what I needed. This is what I'm talking about. I need to chat with him before I keep trying to predict UFC fights. I'm really bad at it. It turns out, Bruce. I don't know what the deal is. I but... told everybody. Well, that I understand, but I I, I don't bet on fights because I don't like the odds. And I I think it makes me a uh, a non equal opportunity announcer because I want to give each guy the whole benefit of my passion for that moment, sharing <laughs> with them in their lives and yeah. and equal. But I do tell people that if you wanted me to put down some picks, I don't want money, but I will charge you 25 percent of what you win off what I pick. <laughs> Perfect. That's so perfect. I, I, although I do like that you give us a clear indication that we would know if you were bought off, and be like, <laughs> "Over here, it is." Actually, you'll never, you'll never hear me. You'll never hear or see me do that because I was kidding around. Because when anybody asks me, I, I have one answer. You know, may the best man win, and I really, really, really mean that. And that's why I have friends that are there in one of those fights, and maybe I'm more impartial to. Sure, I mean, I was at tears in my eyes watching BJ get the crap kicked out of his last oh, couple man. fights. It, it yeah, killed me. That was rough. I, I it yeah. was rough watching it from TV. I can only imagine. You know him. You're that close up to it. You you form so many good bonds with all of these people. You know, how do you detach yourself, or or how do can you can you find yourself not getting caught up in it sometimes? Well, I'm the messenger. I have a job to do, and I need to do my job. But. That's like asking Uriah a favor. Hey, Uriah, you know, you may get asked next year to fight T.J. Dillashaw. And I asked him this on my podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if that happens, I mean, a couple zeros cut a lot of family ties, and that's your job. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's like he's got to face that issue when it comes, but got to be prepared for it. This is what we do, you know? Not me. I'm not fighting. They're fighting. But, I mean, this is what we do. We're in the hurt business, <laughs> and people get hurt. Absolutely. Uh, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's got to be so crazy uh, when you are watching all of that. Uh, let's switch gears for just a second. So you've got a podcast now. Uh, how did you get started doing that? What is the meaning behind doing that? And how do we get you to stop doing it so that you make us look, you know, better by stopping? Yeah, it's not like he's had John Anik and Chael yeah. Sonnen 
and the Invicta fight boss, Sean. I mean, <laughs> just to name a few recent guests. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously yeah. trying to put us out of business with your strong guest list. <laughs> How do we get you to cool it with the talent and the guest intake? Can't cool it. As a matter of fact, next week, uh, because I just signed with Podcast One, um, we started with them in September. I've had the podcast now for five years. And we were over on the Crave Network at SureDog.com, which is still playing there, um, which most MMA fans go to for their news and such. Uh, but Podcast One is the biggest podcast company or network oh, in, the, in the country. Yeah. And uh, they have 55 million-plus registered listeners. And Chael Sonnen has a show on there now. And he came on after we did. But I was the first, like, real MMA show besides Karen Bryant's, you know, show that was on. Long story cut short, I love doing it that the – the guests or uh, guests that we bring on, their friends or acquaintances, or their people that I just you know want to bring on the show. And unlike the MMA personalities you mentioned, because they're all great to have on, and, and Ronda and everybody will be on again and again over the years. But I've had Charles Barkley, I've had Stephen Moyer, the star of True Blood, um, yeah, most of the major poker players you've seen on TV. I can go on and on and on yeah, with so, you know, so many different also people. In a pretty cool. Which one? You have Bill Goldberg on. Yeah, Bill Goldberg was on, you know, on that list there recently. And uh, next week is the SNR show, which we're going to start back again, which is my once a month sex and relationship show where we have people send an email and we talk about, you know, our opinions on your questions. And it doesn't matter to me how wild the questions are or my co host who comes in, Sammy Phillips, who's an ex penthouse playmate and has her own show, like a sex bird here in LA, both she's had on TV and radio. And we answer everything, and for some reason, that's our highest rated show at times, but go figure, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I was like, the way you just pitched it, I'll be downloading it. So that's was... Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. I'm going to have a fun show next week. And, uh, you know, I always tell people that, you know, in that show, we do prefer that you're at least, a, you know, 18 or over, uh, because, you know, we do go into some pretty wild stuff sometimes. But um, it's fun. It's very, like for you guys, you know, it's a very cathartic experience. And when it comes to podcasts, there really is no competition unless you're up against direct competition because there's a lot of podcasts out there. And it's kind of, here's the way I look at podcasts. I own companies in business since I was 19 when I started my first corporation. And I've been in the telemarketing field. Uh, I've owned sales companies. I've owned nutritional companies, on and on and on. So, all business is the same, it's just the product is different. And when you're starting with your podcast, it's like building a Herbalife organization. You want to sell your product to everybody around you that you know. In turn, they talk to people and you build it, what did I t- say earlier, organically. So some people don't have, have wider spheres of influence than others, but that's the way you build it. And then you keep your marketing costs really low. So with your podcast and everybody else, it's not like you're in competition. Just you're, you want to just make sure you get the word out there. And then people listen to you, A, if you're interesting, and hopefully they listen to us, right? Better and hopefully be. the girls will keep listening because the first thing girls like is, is sense of humor. So hopefully the show's funny and the females stay and keep listening. Actually, as so I have guests a variety to make sure I appeal to everybody's <laughs> interest. As we were coming on the podcast, I was telling my girlfriend, she goes, oh, he was on Friends. I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. That's what you would yeah, I know. definitely know him from. <laughs> he was on Friends. Talk about the Dorian Gray effect. You know, all I got to do is watch <laughs> a show or watch Friends, and I can tell you how old I am by how much gray is in my hair. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, uh, well, right. it is funny that you bring that up because on my side uh, – you you have a very distinct fashion style, and it's good. It pops, mm-hmm. but it crossed over into my world recently because I'm about to get married in a few months, 
And my fiance looked at me and she goes, you know what? I wouldn't mind you wearing a Bruce Buffer suit. And I was like, what? Do we have wow, that? that's pretty cool. Well, there's two yep. things that go with that. What's that. I have the suits handmade and they're very expensive, so I don't think you want to take the money away from your bottom line wedding costs. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can definitely get a really fine tuxedo at the, at the stores. I, the rentals still have the ability to give you a really nice look. And there's nothing better than a nice three-piece for a classy look. It's your wedding. You want to be classy. But, I but when you say weddings, one of my specialties is uh, I've done about 100 of them in the last couple of years. <laughs> uh, fans pay me to do their um, their wedding intros as you walk in the reception where I introduce your wedding party. And then when you walk in, I think the Michael Bisbing one I did I about six months ago. Sick. <laughs> yeah, that went viral, right? Yeah. So it was, you know, walking down the aisle of love for a, <laughs> You know, and then it gives a whole build-up, the whole nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be happy to do that for you. I would just charge you the cost for me to get it done. Oh, that's really – I appreciate that. Oh, that was just for you. That's not for your listeners that write my no, 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 no. <laughs> I make it real cheap for them. Trust me, I haven't paid a lot of money for that. I made it so inexpensive for a wedding because I really get a kick out of doing it for weddings. I really, really enjoy that. They write me back, and they put the videos on YouTube, and I'm so honored that was part of, the, of their special day. Sincerely, oh, I mean that, that. That's very nice. I appreciate that, Bruce. And – Man, I mean, I was just going to ask you, uh, kind of related to that was, are you ever thinking about doing a suit line? Because if you're not, A, you should get oh, involved shit. in it, and B, I want 25% cut of giving you this idea. So I want one of those, those two things included. I want one of those well, it's not an original idea. I don't mean to be offending you by saying that. <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> it's an idea that's been pursued. Yeah. Um, the clothing business is a very difficult business that involves a full-time of attention, and I would not do anything like that unless it was done on a license. I have gone into business uh, in that area recently, and I'll be having a store up on my website in a few months nice. just for the It's Time t-shirts and hats and hoodies and stuff like that. But, you know, I am, like to think I'm a very smart businessman and based on what I've accomplished in my life, and there's a couple things I don't want to do anymore in my life. I don't want to be CEO running one company and dealing with the overhead, the massive amount of employees, whatever you need, and my business is about licensing and being involved in the marketing and keeping my bottom line costs low. Um, you know, the dream is there. The suit line is a great idea, but I'd rather line up with somebody uh, that has a successful suit line and license a line of suits. But I don't know if that's going to happen. It might happen in the tuxedos. I do have some people talking. I like it. All right. I was going to say, for us. I'm absolutely in. Uh, well, Bruce, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you swinging by the podcast today. We know you are a busy guy. And again, for people out there, the book is It's Time, My 360-Degree View of the UFC. Please check out his podcast, It's Time, with Bruce Buffer. You can get – you stay tuned with MMA, but it takes a, a lot of cool turns. Um, so you get it's a, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and some MMA. We talk about everything. Absolutely. We talk about what you want to talk about and what you think you want to talk about but are afraid to. And that's the best part, because uh, that's all you yeah. can ask for in a podcast. Uh, so please check it out. Thank you again. And just as a quick, if you don't mind giving us a nice voice, thank you out on our 100 episodes. Um, we will obviously let you get out of here. Okay. Thank you, Rafe and Kevin, for me being part of your 100th episode. So cool. So great to be live on your show. Happy holidays. See, he really can just jam it out. That intensity and that beauty. Professional. Oh, he's, it's the instrument of Bruce Buffer, veteran voice of the Octagon, verbal tap listeners. Thank him so much for coming on Bruce Buffer.
Thanks, guys. If you want to visit me, visit me over at BufferZone.net. Um, all the information is there. If you want to send me any requests for any kind of wedding recordings or birthday or whatever, I love doing that stuff. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at Bruce Buffer, and Instagram, Bruce Buffer UFC. This is why everyone loves this man. Thanks again, Bruce. Always be closing. ABC. Did you see Glengarry going, Ross? <laughs> yeah, that movie's awesome. <laughs> did, did you do that? Uh, yeah, well, Alec Baldwin. Oh yeah. When I tell you I ran tele, when I tell you I ran telemarketing companies, and yeah. you know you hear that guy Wolf of Wall Street, although he he ripped people off, I never did that. But I was Alec Baldwin back in the '80s, boys. I know how to make that thing happen. That's why I liked that show so much. <laughs> <laughs> coffee, hey, coffee for closers. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Thanks again, bye, Bruce. Bruce. Have a good one. Thank you. Happy holidays. What up, bro? It's Josh Clark from Tough Nineteen. Oh, Jim Kevin, we're about to celebrate your 100th episode with Verbal Tap. But, man, y'all, that's awesome. I just want to say congratulations. Y'all keep grinding. I'm going to keep grinding. I'll see y'all at the top. Later. Hey, guys. It's me, Kevin Waza, and I just knew you guys, okay? I've been drinking, and what we had was, was so special. And we we would talk about and you you guys don't even I don't even know why I'm calling because I'm happy with Paul and open that radio and I don't I don't even need you and you you went and, and you just miss you so much. <laughs> Hey, Kevin Raff, this is Nick Gregoriati from the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. I just wanted to wish you guys congratulations on the 100th episode of Verbal Tap Podcast. I can say with not a hint of a lie that Verbal Tap is my favorite hybrid comedy slash mixed martial arts crossover podcast of the last six months. And I wish you guys all the best success for this thousand lessons upon you. Raph and I are ringing in 100 episodes of Verbal Tap, just in time for the holidays. So we had to have, uh, I don't know how, I mean, Raph, could we have even stomached to say the words 100 episodes without having him on? Absolutely not. Not in my book. Not in your book. This was clear. As we were, like, storyboarding this episode, we had to have... Verbal Tap's favorite, the one, the only in the world of his kind. We know that is scientifically proven. None others exist like this person. Bubba the Menace, Bubba Saurus McDaniel. Bubba, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, boys. That's a hell of an introduction to have there. I'm, I feel special. I also am still looking at the picture. Time. The picture of you as the Bubba Saurus is in my studio. Right. And every time we have a party, people are like, who is that? And I'm like, that, like, is that an MMA fighter or a dinosaur? And I'm always like, both. That's what that is. (laughs) That is the Bubba Sore. You know, the funny thing is, is that's the, I saw Coach Greg since, uh, for the first time since April out here this weekend, too, man. I saw him. That's the first thing he ran up. As I was saying here, I saw him about, 
20 feet out, he yelled out, Bulbasaur! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it won't die. You saw Coach Jackson out at UFC 181 this weekend. Yes. yes what were you sir, doing out there? Besides sending me awesome Snapchats, that's all I'm going to say. If you're not yeah. friends with Bubba McDaniel on Snapchat, you're missing out. <laughs> right. There, there's some epic stuff that goes on no matter where I'm at. But when it's in Vegas, it's over the top. Yeah. What so, were you doing but I, was at, actually, I came out here to uh, – I, I made plans on this whenever I was supposed to uh, help Johnny with camp. So I wanted to come out and see how the fight went and things like that. But uh, I got hurt in my fight so, uh, back in October, so I never even got to help with camp. But, heck, I still had the ticket box, so hell yeah, I came out to the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just trying to schedule a talk. We had to schedule it around the weigh-ins. And it was like, of course, but I was at the UFC 181 stuff. Um, what's going on, man? You've been fighting. You said you got injured. What, what's the extent of the injury? I actually just got cleared Thursday before I came out here on Friday to start training again. Uh, I herniated my C5 in my neck in the beginning of that last fight that I had against Emiliano Sorti. Yeah, I knew it was bad. Uh, when I, when I took that original shot, I, uh, I went down and my neck popped a lot and that's why I tried to add a roll through to try to come because I just didn't drive at that point once I felt my neck start popping. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, after I tried to do the driving and things like that, but you know, I, I was in a lot of pain, you know, uh, I, as I tell people, I was fighting neck pain compared to the choke for a long time. And then once he finally, you know, got to suck in the choke, cause I, you know, I was, I was in good position to defend for a little bit. But just the pain I was in sitting there, I had to try to move. And when I did, I just gave him the choke, you know. It's the sport we play and it's crap that happens. But, you know, it still sucks because I, I had two fights built back up. And, you know, obviously I wanted to get a streak going on and actually, you know, show people something in the sport again that I'm not that I'm not that punk guy. And, you, you know, I was feeling run. real good. I was like, you were having yeah, a good I run. Still- yeah, I was feeling real good. I uh, I had a really good fight against a guy named Matt Jones. Uh, he was really really tough. It took me to a decision, but you know I got to show off some striking in that in that fight that I've been telling people that's there. Uh, after that, I fought at heavyweight a month later, just so I could stay busy in between Bellator fights because I signed with uh, Bellator for that first Matt Jones fight. Absolutely, and. Uh, Ended up, I, I got a sponsor to pay flights and just give me enough money to basically get there and take care of it. And I fought a heavyweight fight for free <laughs> in Indiana. Man. Raph, could you please explain production on this? Uh, you know, I wish I could. Uh, there's a lot of things I wish I could explain uh, production-wise and, and et cetera with Bellator as well. But, you know, Bubba, I think the, the prevailing thing paid. about this is, yeah, the thing about this for us is, you know, we we know you really well. We know that when you are fighting, that there is kind of a concept that people just expect you to be this invincible guy that doesn't get hurt when you're training. So this right. is, we're talking injuries that have been sustained forever. So, I mean, what does it feel like now that you get this clear? It's like, where did your brain go, especially as you're watching fights this weekend? You know, it's the funny thing is being back at a UFC event, you know, it's uh... – you know, this was, it was two years ago we were filming, and, you know, a year and a half ago, I was on top of the world still in my own head. I come out here this and time, it's kind heads. of funny. But, Just saying. Well, you know. <laughs> but hey, I come out here this time, it's really funny. I'm hanging out with Clint Hester and Josh Saman and things like that. We came out to watch uh, Saman fight, too, you know. And, uh, Top once 17 Hester was here, alums. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a few of the other guys running around. Kelvin was here. I never got to see him, by the way. He, he owes me a picture. I told him that he owed me one, but he never got around to it. Now that he's all big dog and top ten and stuff, you know. I'm telling you. <laughs> ego on these guys. Yeah, he, he – he, I mean, I'm telling you, he, he, he big dogged me. But it's okay. I understand. He's got so many people trying to get it. Uh, but, you know, came out and did that thing. And a, a couple of producers, we hung out, and we were just having a good time. You know, the funny thing of it is, is we're saying hey to everybody that are other fighters and stuff. And, uh, you know, Clint's still taking pictures everywhere. You know, Dana and all them were, were around. We went over to Uriah while he was eating his stuff. Pictures are just being snapped everywhere. And I'm kind of sitting on the sidelines. I was like, man, fall from grace. It, it, it gives you it gives you that drive and motivation again. Uh, you know, being out here with this, I was like, man, I've got to get in there and punch somebody again. <laughs> and I can only imagine what your psyche's like because you've been training steadily for what seems like ever now. So even any break – You've got to be just right. chippy as fuck, at least in traffic. Uh, oh, dude, doing physical therapy for the you know for a while it took me to get to physical therapy uh, to where I could even make any progress because I was we were doing things for three weeks I had absolutely no progress I would still get you know numbness run down my arm I had sharp shooting pains that would start at the base of my skull and it would just run down through my traps, my shoulder, down to my fingers. That was, My arm would go numb, and I'd have, you know, the middle of my back would just have these fire pains going through. It was it was something disheartening. I'm like, dude, I feel great until all of a sudden I just can't move. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was the well, most awkward injury ever. You know, and you feel like I had a little girl, but I think it was like three days after – my fight, I'm still stiff, you know, just because I'm not moving right because of the, the numbness or anything's coming through. And uh, she's she, a little eight-year-old girl goes, do you need a tater hug? Because we call her tater tot. She's like, do you need a tater hug? I was like, I definitely need a tater hug. She came over and gave me a hug on the neck, not thinking, you know. I screamed and scared the shit out of her <laughs> well, because, you know, the pain that ran through me. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She didn't mean to hurt me, you know. But, like, after that, she she, she was all scared to give me a tater hug, and I just wanted it to feel better. <laughs> no. Sad. So, you know, it's, you feel like the biggest girl in the world when you're actually hurt with something that that's like that. So, well, wait, yeah, you know, go tell ahead, us right. a little bit about about UFC 181 you know I mean obviously the drives there I mean the spectacle of it was this huge because I mean it was a great card they had a lot of great fights on there uh you tell us a little bit about your interpretation what'd you see what'd you like what you did not like all right here the the first thing that I did not like that I did not understand the crowd was not there there was so many open seats in there. I thought this would be for sure the most, you know, anticipated sold out event, period. Two and championships there were so many on the line. Oh, yeah. And I mean, did you see the fights that happened? Yeah. Did you watch yeah. the way that people were finished? Did you see how hard everybody was out there fighting that night? It was a brutal night of fights. Like, oh, really I mean, good fights. Really. Something, good. you know, that you don't get to witness. I don't care of any other. You know, UFC card. The end of the year cards always take precedence to anything else you're going to see. And is it a testament to that card that, like, the Facebook, I'm sorry, the Fight Pass prelim ended up getting fight of the night? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm telling you, I was watching these fights going, and I told my buddies that were, that were here from uh, Wichita Falls, 
that came came out for the fights also, I said, listen, guys, I said, you don't want to be late to these fights. I was like, that first fight with Clay Collard, that's going to be a fight. That kid just likes to walk forward and eat punches and throw them back. <laughs> I was like, you want to see a fight? It's the first one. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I, so I, you know, we all got there. I think I got there halfway through the second round, and they both just beat their crap already. It's like, well, I missed the good stuff. No, no, I didn't. They finished the fight out like that. So I was super stoked, man. You know, like, every fighter's crazy. And then Raquel goes out there, you know, in her fight and chokes this chick to sleep like a gorilla, you know? <laughs> and that's what I was putting. Everybody's like, it's, they got the bulldog choke. I was like, I'm calling it a gorilla choke. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it was, it was just nasty. Didn't Uriah finish it all the same way? I just couldn't believe it. Obviously, the eye poke came into play and things like that. But still, to see the things that happened and then watch my boy Josh Saman land head kick on a freaking year. <laughs> Holy what is it with that season of tough and the leg kicks? You guys love oh, it. That's right. now uh, Uriah's is going to get played right next to Josh Salmon's. Like those were. Oh, dude, brutal. I'm definitely telling you. You know, I sent Dana and I sent Dana in the UFC a few tweets after that, asking him if Josh Saman gets his uh, Harleyan Trophy in the mail for being a tough 19 champion. <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, part of me did wonder that if there is kind of a, a friendly rivalry between tough casts. Because they oh, didn't I'm gonna really. Tell you what, there's a rivalry with me on anybody. Anybody in any <laughs> other cast. Just like whenever it was, you know, I was supposed to, you know, originally be on season 11 and I fought Brad and then I ended up losing. That butt hurt me because, you know, season 17 is obviously the greatest season, period. Obviously. Don't you agree, boys? Agree oh, with me. Come yes, on, undebatable. <laughs> Best season. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all see it. I'm glad y'all see it the same way that I did. Obviously. <laughs> but you know, yeah, definitely. Any other season I watched that's in our weight class, anything like that, of course. Like even season 19. Period. My buddy Hector Urbina was on there, you know, and, and it's it's one of those things too. Like I still feel like everybody in our cast was better than everybody on that cast. It, it's just the way I feel about it, you know. So I mean, and, and it's a rivalry I mean, thing. You guys had one of the last interesting seasons. Uh, we've been trying to make the most of the one-minute reviews. Uh, we didn't even do one for this season just because we've been, A, so busy, and B, uh, even uh, Fox Sports 1 has been like, are we going to put this on? Eh, maybe. Yeah, we don't have to put it on this week. Uh, Bubba, I know we've been talking about this season, and they can't keep anybody interested, so it is what it is. <laughs> You well, Bubba. I do have to ask you this. This is an important question for UFC 181. Who won the main event? Correct. You know, all right. I'm going to tell you like this: whoever you scored round one for won the fight. Okay, interesting. Round one in my head was, you know, a lot of people saw Robbie coming out there like a ball of fire and never thought anything else. Me, on the other hand, though, I saw a lot of points scored in the first minute, minute and a half of the fight. I saw that, but I saw it slow down, and Johnny hit two takedowns and control the rest of the round, too, though. Now, how do you score that? Do, do you go off of the guy that had a good three and a half minutes or a guy that had a fantastic minute and a half? You know what I mean? Like, here's, and, and, yeah, here's where we're going to get well into it. Put, I think. By the okay. way, I think okay. that's well okay. broke down, though. If you're really looking sure. at like the whole juxtaposition of the fight, that's a good way of putting it. But, I mean, the hardest part for us, and it, this really comes into play in the later rounds, I thought the biggest contention round was round four. Uh, round one, I had it scored for Lawler. And 
I think it's because, and especially it became uh, prevalent later, those takedowns were just not necessarily takedowns. They were more so strategy uh, of getting right. to the cage or kind of uh, of pushing around. And I can make a case. That one great takedown in round one, absolutely great. Um, but I yeah. thought Robbie at least was, was pushing the action in that first round. So that's kind of where I go. I think in that fourth round, okay, Johnny was I, actually I had, kind of – yeah, in my head, I had it scored. I scored it for Robbie just, and that's what people said. They're like, "You're biased," and then and past that, I'm biased for Robbie too. Though, I was honestly trying to watch it as of what time is it? How much time has somebody been in control? How many points were scored? Things like that. So I scored it for Johnny, but I said, "Man, I, it could have been Robbie's." That's what I said. Then round two and three came about, and I thought those were both Johnny rounds. So at that point. I thought, well, Johnny's probably got this fight won. Just because, you know, at that point, you know, normally if it's a close round, they give the fight to the champion or the round to the champ. That's just the way I've experienced it. You know, that's what happened in GSP Ruler fight. I mean, GSP Hendricks fight, in my opinion. They gave the close round to GSP. You know, so, and then the last two, I thought, yeah, Robbie won the last two hands down. Well, then, you know, the scorecards came about. I heard 48-47 twice. I was like, well, that sounds about right. I can understand that. Whoever, whatever judge finds out, feels out what round one was. Then I hear 49-46. Are you well, fucking you in our train? household because you didn't hear me and Kevin yell out at the exact same time. Who the fuck do you think you are, 49-46? Yeah, what <laughs> fight were they watching? I want to see that fight, too. I mean, it's the only just round ridiculous. that forty nine forty six card actually gave out to, uh, I believe it was Johnny Hendricks, was round three. Uh, I mean, so think about it, that for a second. That's insane. It, that's ridiculous. You know, that, that is absolutely ridiculous in my head. I will so, tell but, you this, you know, brother, don't because get me wrong. of that. No, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I was going to tell you this. Uh, Kevin and I were so infuriated and potentially drunk that we ended up recording our round-by-round reactions afterwards. We literally took the fight (laughs) round-by-round and continued drinking and scoring our surprise, awe, shock uh, confirmations throughout the fight. So we, we actually had to do a creation video for that because we were like, what the hell did we just see? Under what normal UFC rules we're used to. That didn't seem to fit the judging we've seen before. So, right. And Cecil, was Cecil involved? I don't know. Was he a judge? <laughs> you know what? I just whatever you don't know, a judge is there. It's always safe to assume. You have 50-50 on getting your results back that Cecil was involved in some way. Right. Was it? God. It just makes sense now. It makes absolute sense. <laughs> People can find our video reaction. All about on our YouTube page. Bubba, put yourself in a mindset when a few people first contact you while you're in the tough house. They're like, hey, Bubba, we want you to come on a podcast. You don't know them. You have no idea what's going (laughs) on. What are you thinking? And this is, you know, about 74 episodes ago of the 100. I guess probably more than that, about 86. What's going through your mind? Well, here's the thing. Wasn't it me that actually uh, tweeted y'all back first? That that oh, liked yeah. your liked your podcast first. Yeah, they, I remember thinking, 
these guys are actually pretty damn funny. I wonder what the hell they'd say to me if I was on there. And then, you know, got, got, got the call of, would you, would you be on the podcast? I went, yeah. <laughs> you know, because once you think and you're wondering, like, what would happen, you know, with the guy that, because, you know, the, the one-minute reviews were just absolutely hysterical then. If you haven't heard any of the other episodes from the earlier stuff, like, you need to go back to the first few episodes and listen to the tough one-minute reviews. Sometimes they turn out to be five-minute reviews, but totally worth the listen. <laughs> Balance vindicated on air. Misleading the witness yeah. and the jury. Um, Bubba, when you say this, though, did what did you think my reaction was going to be when you were on the podcast? You know, did no, you I, think that I was going to, like, tone it down and become your best friend and be like, uh, I can't make fun of you, sir. Um, sorry. No, I thought I'd get roasted all, all the hell. But, you know, it was really funny at the uh, the respect I did get. But, you know, the the roasting ended up, you know, coming into play uh, a little bit again after that once y'all realized I wasn't I wasn't really kicking up fence to it and I'm not that asshole that was on TV. <laughs> yeah, once we realized <laughs> they were cutting you as the villain, which took about 10 minutes of conversation, it was like, well, he's getting – and I think it was just because you were willing to at least be lippy, which was awesome. But that's just your <laughs> <Right>. countryside. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> – that's what they call the fighting side in me. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember, I remember telling Kevin the very first second, I was like, Kev, I think we have a guest. And Kev goes, how do we do those? And I go, I don't know. Uh, we were just ready to do impressions of people forever. And actually, right. was like, seemed like a, a risky <laughs> endeavor for us. And then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. you find, like you said, you're you're not how you're depicted on TV. You're this nice, super great guy who is not only just like lovable, but like one of the people who, over the hundred episodes that we've done, we could call on a whim and be like, "Hey, do you mind filling in for this week?" Uh, and you you'd do it. You'd find and you'd make the time for us. And that's something that we've always appreciated. Yeah. But Bubba, I gotta tell you, this is a big occasion for you as well. This marks your tenth time on the podcast. Thus making no you way. the person with it's, the most appearances. Yeah, you are the first member of the 10 club here on the podcast. 10 timers club. This is fantastic. I feel like I should get one of those SNL episode things like, uh, like they did for freaking uh, Tom Hanks and all them, you know? But I'm a yeah, double digits, baby. Double digits. It's the 10 timers club. As soon as we get Tom Hanks to come and pull through, you will have one of those jackets. I was like, we will make jackets guaranteed <laughs> right? if Tom Hanks gets his 10th appearance. There's zero. <laughs> In the meantime, That's we'll just awesome. keep sending you a free shirt when we make them. That'll be... <laughs> that'll hey, be I'm, I'm completely cool with that. You know, you know I enjoy funny t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Including ours. Well, Bubba, we wanted yeah. to bring you on, obviously, chat with you, see how you were doing. Uh, glad to hear you're cleared again. Can't wait to see you fight because one thing we always know about Bubba McDaniel, uh, if somebody doesn't get knocked out, it's not going to be because they didn't try. Like, you try, you right. don't ever like your fights to go the distance. You're willing to kick or throw a punch that might not be the safest because you like the fight to end. Uh, that's a good right. thing. That's a good thing in a fighter. We... Really appreciate you coming on all the nine times beforehand, and we will continue to keep up with you and uh, see how you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Man, it's it's been a crazy up and down road, and you know, you guys have always had my back, and 
you know, we haven't talked for here again in the last little bit, but as soon as I heard y'all are having the hundredth episode, I was, and they asked me on it, I was stoked. You know, it's, it's one of those things. You guys are friends for life for me. And I, I appreciate just being on the podcast at all. Well, it's always our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, 10th time inaugural member of the 10th timers club that's got to go on a wikipedia entry i feel like as soon as we start editing those notes i'll put it up and no matter how many times i try and take it down i'll keep putting it back up <laughs> uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen bubba the menace bubba Zorus mcdaniel Yay! <laughs> verbal tap podcast this is Anichi from BJJTrainingJournal.com, and not only do I want to congratulate you on your 100th episode of the podcast, but also for consistently delivering legitimately funny stuff. Um, I don't know how you land some of the guests that you get, but I probably don't want to know how the sausage is made, so I'll just continue to enjoy your shenanigans. Peace out, Girl Scout. I love you guys. What's up, guys? This is T-Money. Verbal Tap Podcast at its centennial. 100 episodes, 100 podcasts, 100 times. That's amazing, guys. I call you to thank you and to congratulate you. 100 is a big deal. Um, Andre the Giant would drink over 100 beers in a sitting. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes 100% all the time. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's over 100 days in a year, so 100's a big deal, and you guys made it. So keep doing what you're doing, kicking ass on the podcast waves. Listen to them all the time. They're fantastic. You guys are funny. Not smart sometimes, smart other times, but regardless, fantastic. Verbal Tap Podcast. Love you guys. Keep it up. Thank you. Goodbye. Rafa Sparza, 99 episodes down. Pass it down. Listen around. 100 podcasts. On the wall, how are you feeling post Karen Bryant? Yeah. Bruce Buffer. Yeah. Bubba the Menace McDaniel and all of these amazing friends of ours leaving voicemails. Uh, I'm feeling deceptively appreciated. Deceptively appreciated. I'm yep. feeling downright emotional. I'm about yeah, to I know. A cry fit over here. Brandon McCatherine sings us a song. Oh, uh, beautiful you know, song. Maybe it took a few connotation and liberties, but I can't argue that it wasn't pretty factual. I mean, that I obviously... You know, I don't know a lot about Greek mythology, but when I hear Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't really think about it. I just think about what it... You know, the song sounds pretty. So it's a good song. So as long as I think of Brandon stuff like that, I think it's in the same vein. I love that idea. So Mm. I'm in. Um, I'm absolutely in with that. That means it's time for some shout outs. Absolutely. Do you want me to lead this off? I can lead this off. You're going to, okay. Why don't you lead it? I'm going to lead it off. Of course, to the crew out there at BJJMA Academy of Chantilly, Woo! BA. Ooh. B, 
big thanks for all the support over 99 100 and can't wait to get back to training with y'all after my california jiu-jitsu seminar experience um we keep getting the hell beat out of me in a great way we're going to talk about that but please check out bjj finder help us with the website help you locating jiu-jitsu schools bjj finder download it on the app store Plug in your zip code, find gyms near you, trained, run, by an MMA black belt. You've got to check it out. Whew. Raph, y'all don't fuck around in California. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> for sure. I am. Every inch of my body was tired as I returned from my <laughs> four gym and four day trip in L.A., Big shout out to Amici Akpom from BJJ Training Journal for taking us over to Nino Shembri's. Uh, if you don't need know Nino Shembri, welcome to Jiu Jitsu because he's a legend. He's amazing. It was such a cool experience. We got to take an awesome class, then we got to stick around and roll, and uh, those guys are killers. Great role. That was absolutely great. Unbelievable uh, role. Man, so much fun, and, and it's cool – when Kevin and I get to actually trade notes and and share intel and information when we are training with each other. So it, it's even better when you have great instruction. And even still then, Kevin and I have two very interpretations of, oh, this is cool, this would be great for this, and this is great for this. And uh, all of that stems from having really good instruction over there. So to Amici, Nino, uh, all of the people who train there, their instructors, I mean, they just welcomed us right away. Absolutely, they did. And you and I got to drill together a little bit. Tons yep. of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was Wednesday. You're going to do Thursday shout-outs. But <laughs> Friday, we were over at V-V-V-V-Mac. <laughs> Big thanks to John Budd, of course, for letting me come hang out. Uh, Marcelo was teaching very cool class. He's very attentive to his students. It was the night before. Um, the big Jean-Jacques in-house tournament, which I saw a lot of videos of, and I'm really stoked. Thanks, Jiu-Jitsu World, for taking such <laughs> videos and letting us see that stuff, even if we're not there. Um, but it was a really cool class. I got to roll with you, yep. Zach. Loved it. Carlos, <laughs> mean grip. Octavio, a beast. Got to finally meet Alex, whom mm-hmm. I owe a bet to because I lost uh, the you know UFC picks. Tons of fun training up at your gym. We even stuck around and had a little uh, strawberry ale, which was awesome. Bonnie <laughs> brought some strawberry ale, which was great. That's nothing better after training. Yeah, you, you do find that they're like – sometimes this is indicative of any good training session. Somebody will go, hey, does anybody want this? And you go, yes. You even think about it. You just say, yeah, and then you have it. strawberry ale, and it's actually – Really delicious and refreshing. After Shortly that. before, big thanks to Taco Lady. I don't know her name. I didn't catch it. But that's, Taco that's Lady outside of Ref's gym is the best. So I had told Kevin, I said, you didn't, Kev, if you really want to experience what it's like to train like me on a Friday night, if I do go to VMAC, you got to go to Taco Lady. Yeah. And I was like, but are you hungry? And Kevin goes, uh, you know. And I go, I know we've already had tacos today we're going to do it again. Taco Lady is a different experience. And what was your reaction after, Kevin? Let's do this. Absolutely. Sign me up. And then what did you think of Taco Lady's performance? Oh, she was phenomenal. Those tacos were the bomb. (laughs) 
So very, very good and stuff there. Final shout out, big thanks to you and your lovely fiance Kelly for hosting me for that's, two and a half days. That's not a problem. We had a blast. Yes, yes. She she enjoyed having you around and the two of you giggling together all the time is, is thoroughly entertaining to her. Not to me, but to her. Uh, guys, I want to tell you guys about a few places. I, I did get to train with Kevin on those, those four days, and uh, that was a lot of fun. But uh, before then, I actually, about a week ago, Kev, uh, Kevin and I did something very similar, which was we told all of the people we train with to get us ready, just to have us be prepared. Because we're like, okay, beat the fuck out of us. That's fine. I didn't know I was going to Jean-Jacques Machado's. <laughs> One might say I was bamboozled okay. being taken One might there. Say that. Our good friend Alex, who you got to roll with, uh, was like, yeah, or, you know, hey, I'm training. I go, dude, if you're training today, I'd love to go. And I thought he was going to a different place because he, he'll go to a couple different places. Before I know it, we're talking in the car, and I look around, and I see – Oh, I'm at Jean-Jacques Machado's. Oh, I was not expecting this. I've been bamboozled. This is, whoa, okay, all right. That doesn't change too much because you're just going there to train. But, you know, it's kind of uh, a big deal, especially when the person who greets you at the door is Jean-Jacques Machado himself, who sees me and sees me without my camera and my microphone and is like, what, no recording today? Come on. And uh, you immediately feel great. And uh, since we're kind of a, a, a sub-school of uh, John Jocks over at Valley Martial Arts Center and all of our, our people who train there and the people who I learned from, it, it, it was a real big blast to get to experience what a class taught by Jean Jacques is. And it is, it is epic. It is amazing. And the people who roll there are, oh, my God, Kev. They are killers. They are. This is the whole thing. I was like, I think they're going to kill me before Kevin gets here. I think they're absolutely going to murder me. And then by the time Kevin gets here, I'm going to be like, hey, let's roll. Wait. I can't move. So you can just have mount because I can't move. So, yay. Uh, but uh, my, my thing. I just want to be clear about that. It won't happen. But. I will say it is it is refreshing that they they treated me so nicely and I, I appreciate that and uh, I definitely will go back there and they had a great charity tournament that happened this weekend and a lot of the guys from our our school uh, did well and a lot of people in the community who I know had some really great match, matches that I've seen online so I, I just want to say thanks to uh, everybody at John Jocks including uh, John Jock himself. It was amazing. He ended up taking a picture with me. So uh, to him and Alex, I want to say thank you guys for making that happen. That was, that was really great. And uh, I, will, I will be back soon. So we go to Nino Shembri's. That was amazing. The next night, Kevin and I go out to Systems Training Center. So, Kev, what was your expectation going into Systems Training Center? I was going to get murdered by yeah. multiple people that are MMA fighters. And how different was that from the reality? Not at all different. I got murdered by several MMA <laughs> fighters. <laughs> it's fun because, uh, you know, Kevin and I are – we have a podcast, and we love talking about jiu-jitsu. So inherently – yeah, maybe you heard of it. Uh, so people naturally just – they want to train with us, and that's great. And they don't get to train with us at the same spot ever. So I told Kevin, I was like, it was like having a murderer's row just waiting for the both of us. Like if they got done with Kevin, they're like, you done with him yet? <laughs> 
Okay, give me the, the brown one, and I'll take care of this one. Yeah, it's great. Like the new guy on the cell block. <laughs> they did seem to have their way with you like one. But, uh, you know, guys, it was it was fun. And our thanks to Emil, Marcus, uh, Dima, Albert, Vince. Uh, Jesus, Such it great It was a cool people. class. It was a mm-hmm. great Nogi class. And we got a chance to watch Marcus teach beforehand. Marcus Koval is a uh, first-rate instructor and – his fucking roundhouse kicks are no joke. Like, yeah. He can throw a bomb. So please, and we watched Dimitri Gerzmuf do a little big bearded kickboxing after as we were taken off. And uh, great instruction, great gym vibe. Check out Systems Training Center in Hawthorne. If you Absolutely. Have great place, great instruction. Uh, VMAC was, was cool. Um, I also want to thank the people who helped us on that day. Uh, we had a... Uh, Nick Millman, our, our buddy over at People Who Train, who did uh, uh, captured a great shot of me and Kevin. <laughs> I mean, uh, wow. It's, Nick Millman and Briggs. Let's just be clear about who we're giving. The, the dog definitely played a role as well. But Nick <laughs> is definitely the guy behind the People Who Train project. Kevin and I went to go participate. And Nick couldn't have been a better photog and, and host. He was really nice to us. So our thanks yeah, to him awesome. as well. And uh, our good friend, uh, Billy Campagna. Billy is one of the funnest shoots I think Kevin and I have ever done. Not that we've done a lot, but I mean, it was amazing. Uh, it was great. just, he got some really cool photos that we're, we're getting and that now we'll have official photos for the podcast and, and we're stoked to be able to say that that's a thing. So Billy was really cool. We'll, we'll try and get those up for you guys at some point. I don't know, whenever, but uh, the next day, Kevin and I made our way out to 10th planet Riverside for a seminar. Kev, tell me what you wanted when you said, what did you ask for? Okay. The exact conversation we had was, I was like, Raph, you know, I, it would be awesome if we could go to uh, uh, a black belt, like a high level black belt. Maybe someone competing is what I meant by high level. He understood the context. I was like somebody competing now, a seminar, you know, obviously he knows I, I have an affinity for seeing a lot of Atos, a lot of uh, Art of Jiu-Jitsu, Costa Mesa, and the third one that I really am intrigued by is 10th Planet. Those three gyms I mentioned frequently. Um, and he was he was like, okay, maybe seven minutes later, you send me a Facebook message being like, great news on the seminar front. I was like, what? He's like, well, there is an Atos black belt. She got her black belt from Andre Gaval, who currently is with the competition team at Art of Jiu-Jitsu, doing a seminar at 10th Planet in Riverside. And that was essentially what we got to do on Saturday. And it was, and it was fun. It was really cool. And uh, our thanks to Chelsea Bramage Donner. Uh, we not only got to do the seminar, we did a little coverage. So we got a little bit of footage of uh, stuff that we had to do. Kevin got to interview her. It was Pretty good. Not as good as I would have done, but it was, it it was, was pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't as good as you did. I mean, uh, great interview. Though. She's awesome. Absolutely. And she's a great competitor, and <laughs> she was putting it to everybody that she gets to train with. This is what I love about Chelsea Seminar, and I told you this before. She rolls with everybody who wants to roll with her. And there's a lot of seminars that don't have that happen, but she likes to stay fresh and current, and you can see the competitive drive in her. And I'll say it like I said with uh, Gary Tonin. When you roll with her, you're learning. And yeah. there, there is a very, very distinct way 
that you, you pick up things, and she's figured it out. So her instruction is top-notch. If you guys get the chance to take a seminar from her, do it. You will come away with some of the sickest moves that the people at your gym are going to look at you and say, how'd you do that? And you'll say, I don't know. I just, I just accidentally got that move. It's weird. Thanks, None Chelsea. Beeswax. <laughs> None of your beeswax. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so my thanks to everybody there. And uh, let's go ahead and close out with this. I, I want to say thank you to Kevin for coming on out. It just so happened that it was going to be him coming out for his work. And uh, that just happened to coincide with our 100th episode. And we did our schedule to work around it so that we would release it at the same time. And, you know, the funnest part about doing this podcast is you want a good co-pilot who is not afraid to laugh at themselves who's not afraid to uh, take the unpopular opinion or who's not afraid to, to look stupid. And uh, Kevin does that consistently. And that is a very admirable trait. And it's, it's hard to find somebody that you like working with on and off, uh, I guess, recording. So I, I very much lucked out in finding a good person who we, we joke around like we do off air. And I think it shows. And I think that's why it's one of the funnest things I get to do. So much like our last commitment that we did to you guys is we are going to continue doing this as long as it's fun. We're going to keep bringing you good guests. We're going to keep making a commitment to making something entirely different uh, than hopefully what else you hear on, on I guess, uh, other podcasts and shows. But uh, our biggest thanks to all of you guys who have listened. There are so many of you who have been there since day one and you make it really easy for us to work because you you're passionate and you tell people about us and you fight people for us, which is insane. <laughs> I, I don't ever get that, but uh, it's, it's a truly remarkable and humbling thing to know that this thing has had a shelf life uh, that has exceeded, I guess, either of our expectations and uh, has afforded us so many great opportunities and fun experiences and our, I guess, relatively short lives in MMA and, and training BJJ, but uh, relatively, I'd say. I mean, comparatively, when you get all these people who go, I remember when matches weren't decided by yeah, advantages. To think that there were even people that were sending faxes once upon a time. You and I don't even know what those are. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> but it's been an unbelievable 100. I can't wait to see you at 101, Rafa Sparza. I can. Okay. Well, people can join in on all the fun and pain at Verbal Tapcast on Twitter, at Verbal Tapcast YouTube. You can see a ton of the videos we've released, done, including our response to UFC 181, which, dare I say, is the best response in the fucking world. Are you with me on that? Do you think it's the best in the world? I mean, when you say dare I say and then you say it, it's like you did say it, so there's not really anything else to comment about because you did say it dare me to say it again best response in the world check all that out but that's gonna do it for us tonight here at (laughs) verbal tap i'm kevin thank you for listening good night and good fight you couldn't go with me on the best thing people have ever heard had to be a different why no (laughs) because it didn't make any sense like the moment's over kevin i said i was happy about 100 and now we're moving on no, I but like I can be happy to work with you and still call you out on your shit. That's the dynamic of the show. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you for... I've been asking you to explain it to me for two years, and now you finally chime in with a clear, concise message. They're not mutually exclusive ideas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they can, uh, they can coincide and they can break. It's the beauty of making a podcast.